0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Slime Time's SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is M 3 And this is Zachary, a.k.a. Yangus,
1: the legendary bandit.
0: Uh, You might have noticed the opening and the title of this episode is a bit different. Uh, There's a bunch of us here at the Dragon's Den, mainly a bunch of former Slime Time guests. Um, We were all talking recently and decided we needed to get together more frequently and talk about some other games, TV shows, any other topics. Um, Other than Dragon Quest 2, if you are a member of the Den and look at our forums What are you doing? What RPGs are you playing? Game Boy Color, Vita, Switch RPGs, all all those topics. um, You know, when at a time like now where we haven't had a new Dragon Quest game in about a year or so, those topics pick up and those are the ones you almost see every day people commenting on. So, I mean, while we all love Dragon Quest to death, Um, we're kind of like what... Our, my buddy Phil over on Gamers RPG, Packtrack, likes to say, um, the guy's from Utah, so this is his joke, we're all polygamists. Um, we like to play many different games, so if you're only here for Dragon Quest content, feel free to skip this episode. Check out our other dozens of Slime Time Prime episodes, but if you're ready for a little something else, come join us on a side quest.
1: And to kick things off with side quests, what better series to talk about than Final Fantasy, right? Right? It, it definitely the best choice.
0: Yeah, it doesn't get much more off course from Dragon Quest than that. Oh,
1: yes. But alright, all joking aside, we will be talking about Final Fantasy for our first episode. Originally getting its start on the Famicom in 1987, the series was created by Hironobu Sakaguchi and has seen success across the world for over 33 years. The series saw its first Western release in 1990 on the NES here in America, and while releases were a bit infrequent in the West for a couple of years, uh, with some games being renamed entirely for their Western debuts, like Final Fantasy IV and VI, things did change after Final Fantasy VII came out. Since then, every main entry Of the series and most spin offs have been or have seen a Western release, but we're not going to talk about every single game in this episode, we'd be here for far too long. No, instead, we'll be focusing on Final Fantasies 1 through 6. Final Fantasy 1, 2, and 3 were originally Famicom or Nintendo Entertainment System games, while Final Fantasy 4, 5, and 6 were originally Super Famicom or Super Nintendo games. Each of them was made possible by Sakaguchi's direction and storytelling, music composed by the legendary Nobuo Uematsu, and by the help of many others. Each game has seen remakes and re-releases throughout the years. And chances are, whatever systems you own right now, whether past or present, they can probably play all of these games somehow.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's... I mean, there's... Dozens of games, and uh, we're going to be talking about a six-pack of them, so with that many games to discuss, we needed a bunch of people to talk about them with us, since uh, personally I haven't played any of these in about 15 years. Um, got a lot of memories from them, but it's been a while. So, joining us tonight are all former Slime Time Prime guests. We have Brian. Hello. Hey, how's it going? We've got uh, Matt Craft. Mr. Matt, how you doing? Hello. And we've got Mr. Sean Pendergast, a.k.a. Pendy. How are you, Pendy?
2: Hey, I'm doing pretty well.
1: So, with our guests by our side, and with all of my rambling aside from before, let's talk Final Fantasy. First things first, gentlemen, What of the, of the six games we're going to talk about tonight, which ones have you played?
3: I've, I've played all of them.
0: Yeah, i played all of them, too. <laughs>
3: it's, it's It's been a while for all of them but the first game, because I, I play the Final Fantasy one fairly frequently. I'm actually doing a, a playthrough on my Japanese 3DS of that 3D remake that they did back in 2013. So you did end up
1: buying that one. I wasn't sure if you would.
3: I did, because uh, I was uh, too enamored by the 3D portion of it, which is, it looks pretty nice. <laughs> And it's basically the Final Fantasy Origins easy-type version, just in 3D, so... Does it have all of I the really-
1: features included with, like, other versions of the game that have come out in recent years, like the uh, uh, PSP remake and everything like that?
3: Oh, yeah, it's got all of the extra dungeons that were okay. from the Dawn, the Dawn of Souls version. Okay, cool. Ooh. Yeah,
4: you're gonna have to send me a link to that if it's actually translated.
3: It's not translated. It never came out over here. So if I mean, wah, wah, it's wah, Final wah, Fantasy wah, One. Wah. You don't you don't really have to know uh, Japanese all that much to play that
1: game. So well, since we are talking about Final Fantasy One, um, with Brian bringing that up for us, um, what's the version that you guys have all played, and what's version did you specifically enjoy the most of Final Fantasy One, or how would you con- or how would you kind of rate it? compared to some of the other games in the series you played?
3: Well, for me, personally, Final Fantasy I was the first one I played like way back in the late 80s or early 90s. I can't exactly remember when, but uh, I had it on the NES first. I've played every single version of Final Fantasy I that's been released. You know, NES, um, mobile version, uh, Dawn of Souls version, PlayStation 1 version, everything under the sun with it. And as far as... I guess, rating them goes. Probably the normal type uh, PS1 version of uh, Origins is probably the best version to play, because I really like the D&D rules for Magic. Um, It adds an extra resource management mechanic to it that I really like, because an an MP bar for all of your uh, Magic users kind of makes the game a little bit easier. But that's just me.
0: Yeah, I didn't mind that at all. I, I played the NES version probably three or four times through um i didn't really get into super nintendo or playstation one gaming i kind of did all my gaming on the nintendo went off to college and between college and my first few years working didn't really get into much i kind of went from almost nes to uh some emulators to basically game boy advance and ps2 um so i played this on nes and i played it on the gba port But I like the NES way of, yeah, the spell charges, basically, um, with Final Fantasy 1. And, uh, well, it can be a little bit limiting sometimes that you're like, well, I've got, like, four charges for level three spells, but I'm out of charges for level one. I really wish I could use that. Um, Yeah, I agree with that. Other than that, that, that'd be my only complaint about that system, but I'm fine with it. Um, Heck, Grandia used kind of a variation of that. Um, the first Grandia, you had three separate MP pools for your, like, three levels of magic. So they, they kind of blended the MP with the different levels, charge-wise. I don't think I ever realized that with Grandia 1. It's true, they do
1: have separate ones, I didn't think about that.
0: Yep, it, it's a bit bizarre. Um, and again, it's annoying that, like, okay, I've used up all my MP for level 1 spells, I've got all this level 3 stuff, and I, I got 30 sitting there that I can't use because every freaking level 3 one is like 40 to 50 to cast, but... (laughs) I mean, again, it's that strategic thing that, um, you know, adds a little bit, you got to put a little bit more thought into it.
5: Yeah. What about you? I literally... I need... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
4: Sorry, go ahead, Matt. Sorry, I was going to say, uh, I literally just flipped a coin to decide which I like better, the GBA <laughs> or the PSP version. I like to ha- I like to play modded copies, and I love how there's like a million different balance mods and stuff like that for the GBA version, but yet the PSP version is just so clean it has all the additions, and it just looks so damn clean.
3: It's it's very nice looking. The cr- the sprites are all redone, and they look nice and crisp. I agree. Mm-hmm. PSP version looks fantastic.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I actually have it on my phone somewhere right now, along with a PSP emulator that I've never used. And then for some reason, I also apparently bought it at some point. So oh, by the way, the mobile Version of Home Fantasy 1, I'm going to be a jackass and say, do not die, because it does not include any of the extra content. I think they just updated the Wonder version a little bit and popped it on Android.
3: The mobile version actually used to be a lot better than it is now. It, they had a lot of interface downgrades with uh, how it plays now compared to when it first came out. So. Oh, really? I think it's I think it's just gotten worse over time.
1: Yeah, it's not good.
4: if you wanna get technical, Final Fantasy Two is the same way on mobile only, of course. Those sadly are a couple games even though if you know me from the damn well enough, I love mobile, but I do not recommend Fall Fantasy One or Two on Mobile.
5: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I only played them um I've did one and two on the G B A and I, I they were fine. I, I liked them there. Um, but yeah, I know I, I everything I've heard of the PSP version is... It's the definitive. It's the good way to go.
5: Yeah.
4: yeah. The only thing... Sorry. The only thing better about the GBA version is maybe it's portability. I'm gonna bow out of Palm Fantasy too. I've got someone coming in, so I'm gonna mute right quick. I'll still be All able right. to hear y'all, so I'm gonna be able to keep track.
2: But uh, What were you gonna say, Fendi? Oh, I was just gonna say... Uh, if we're just talking about Final Fantasy 1, I've only played it uh on the NES, of course, and then uh the GBA version. I haven't played any of the other versions. When did they um when did they add an MP bar? Which version did they do that? When they went away from the charges. So,
3: on the PS1 version, The Origins Remaster, they added oh. and they added an easy type which uh which added MP and also reduced difficulty and, you know, money cost for items and shops and stuff like that. And then that's what the Game Boy Advance Dawn of Souls version is based on. It's basically the Final Fantasy Origins, just easy type. And then the PSP version is just a cleaned up version of the Origins version. So basically, since the PS1 version, they just keep kind of Modifying the origins version of Final Fantasy One and
1: re-releasing it. <laughs> oh, you know, I was really surprised that with the PSP version, I have i played that one too. Um, I'm really surprised that they didn't add in the uh, normal type or like the original sort of difficulty setting because I thought that that would have been a good way to or a good version to kind of bring everything back together to really make it more of the definitive version than it already is.
3: It does. It does have an extra dungeon that doesn't appear in any other version of the game that I'm aware of, and that that's. I think you get it once you clear the end of the You know, it's like a post-game dungeon kind of thing. Yeah. But it's not the four dungeons for each of the, um, you know, fiends. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. um, From my own experience with Final Fantasy 1, like uh, uh, Platy, I ended up playing it first on uh, the Game Boy Advance back when I was younger. Mm -hmm. My, My introduction to Final Fantasy was through the Game Boy Advance versions. And I think 1 and 2, I ended up playing with those ones after I played uh, 4, 5, and 6. But I ended up playing through 1, I really liked it, and I go back and replay 1 every now and then. And the only other version that I've played through completely is the PSP one. I have played the original NES one, I've bought it for my Wii, and I have it on um, my NES Mini. But honestly, it's, it's nothing against the original at all, but... It's one of those games that it's a little harder for me, for any SRPG, to sit down and play through, it, just because it's kind of slow.
3: It's also a broken mess. <laughs> there are there are several spells that just flat out don't work, and no nothing about any kind of elemental affinity works in the game. Hmm. So, if you cast, like, Null Ice or Null Fire, it doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> oh,
5: <well.
3: laughs> Yeah. It's a very broken okay. game. I okay.
1: Stayed away from those. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> but um, for Final Fantasy One, personally, I I know it's really simple by today's standards and by the rest of the series, but honestly, I really like going back to it because it's a pretty simple game to go through. You can just always pick a new party to play through the game with, uh, kind of like with Dragon Quest Three. Uh, you can always try something new. You need to try, like, the crazy challenge quest, like the uh, four white mages thing or something like that. And it really, I just kind of like how fast the game can move because I think last time I played it, it only took me about uh, maybe, like, 10 or 15 hours without doing yeah. any of the bonus content stuff. And uh, you know what? Honestly, for just needing a quick little, like, RPG experience, it's totally
3: fine with that. Yeah, if you know what you're doing and hit the ground running, you can, you can clear it in, like, under 15 hours.
2: Yeah, they really started the series out with a bang with that first one. I mean, that was a, especially for back in the day on the NES. That was a really that was a really good game. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I put was, it
0: right it, up there with the Dragon Quest games back
1: then. Because yeah. yeah, that game did pretty well for itself too, even though it was released like three years after the, the Japanese release, from what I heard.
2: No, I heard that too, That it, it it did okay, and we probably would have gotten two and three as well had it been. Uh, I think the first one was kind of late. In the life of the system, so by the time they were like, Oh, hey, we could do two and three, it was already Super Nintendo time. So,
5: yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's funny to think
2: back then that it was Dragon Quest, which
1: wasn't as popular, it was able to get the first four games over here, no problem. But with Final Fantasy being like the big thing it was back then, and especially now, still, that nice. they only were able to get the first game out for them. yes. <laughs>
2: we get all the, we get all the dragon quest games out on the NES but of course no one plays them so the the series goes no, nowhere especially with you know all the dying and getting nothing on the Super Nintendo and then but final fantasy ends up being the big international winner especially after final fantasy oh, well. 7 it's, cra- it's, well, it's crazy how that works sometimes I
1: don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah i if you know everybody you look back and SNES is probably almost everybody's retro number 1 or number 2 you know play you know, JRPGs and RPGs—that's the console that everybody's like, "Oh yeah, that's the one that really had all the good ones." And God, just imagine if Dragon Quest wouldn't have missed that whole console generation here in the West. I'll, I'll, I'll
2: mm-hmm. to part not having the uh, skipping out on that generation, especially when you've got Dragon Quest Five, which is such a fan favorite these days. It yep, done pretty well.
5: Yeah, I but I mean, 6 would
1: have been a really big hit, too, I could imagine. I could see that if that game came out back then, uh, like during the Super Nintendo days, like people, maybe it would have been a bit more of a cult-following sort of RPG, but I could see where people would really look at that today and be like, man, that was a really ambitious experience for back then. You know, it did all these crazy things that you hadn't seen from an RPG with multiple worlds and all like this extensive class system and all that stuff. I mean, the graphics were pretty good for that, too.
2: Yeah, because like people don't associate necessarily associate Dragon Quest with graphics all the time. I know Dragon Quest Eleven has has helped to, and eight actually has helped to dis- disillusion that. But like back in the day, like six was like one of the best looking Super Nintendo games out there, and same mm-hmm. thing with four for the NES. So,
5: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so
2: yeah, one uh, of my I'm oh, sorry, go
0: ahead. I was gonna say one of my favorite parts in uh Final Fantasy one, of course, is finding a. Uh, what is it, the Tombstone with Airdrick on it. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> I think they changed it to Link in every other version. It is. Yeah. yeah. And it's so yep. funny
1: because it's still that in the PSP one as well. It's still here Lies Link.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think on every subsequent one, you know, they didn't want to give props to uh, another company at that point afterwards.
1: No. Oh. <laughs> it's just so funny just to see him on there. It's like, hey, look, he's on a, look, there's Zelda on the Sony console.
0: I mean, I, I mean, I get why they
3: changed it to Link, since you're in an elf village.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But. Yeah, it kind of works, too, if you think about uh, the Kokiri from Ocarina of Time and how they were the forest people, and the elves live in the middle of that forest, so there you go. <laughs> I
3: loved the original name for it in on the NES version, because it was just called Elfland, before they got <laughs> fancy on every retranslation and call it Elfheim.
1: That's funny. That's pretty funny, actually.
0: Add a little bit more flavor instead of just description. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fire 1, Fire 2, Fire yes. 3.
1: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, no. It's the, look in the spell books. To learn Fire 3, please seize page 2. To learn Fire 2, please seize page 1. To learn Fire 1, go to the back of a book.
3: <laughs> I've actually got the Final Fantasy 1 manual sitting here in front of me.
0: The original NES one?
3: Yeah, I've got the maps, too, because I've been playing it on the the PS1 recently Mm -hmm. as well. I'm actually playing two versions of it at the same time. (laughs) the It just so happens happens that that you wanted to talk about it while I was doing that.
0: Well-timed, well-timed. Yeah, I mean, I really don't remember much more about it. I loved the job system. I loved halfway through you powered up your job system. Um, I do remember the four-character limit for names yes. yeah like a lot of, like a lot of the dragon quest ones man I, I always had my buddy dave i had me matt and yeah, i can't even remember what i used to name the other people
3: oh i always named my i always named my black mage since so i always played it when i was real young he was just dark,
1: <laughs> dark. yeah i you know the one thing that with um I don't know how it was in the original NES version or, like, the PS1 version, but the one thing that always kills me, and I see why people complain about this with Dragon Quest IV, is that in Need to the Dwarfs, like, in their caves and stuff, they have such a terribly thick Scottish accent. It's so hard to read. It's terrible. Oh, I don't know if it's... like that in the older ones or not, but man, I always have a heck of a time reading their dialogue. Oh,
3: in in the NES version, they just spoke simple English and i think they said like rally ho or something like that. Okay. Oh. Yeah, there were uh, no accents in this game at all whatsoever. No. Well maybe it maybe may except the the pirate that you that you uh, beat him up and take a ship from. He talks like a pirate. Yar.
1: Oh yeah, because you fight him pretty early on, don't you? Cuz you have to it's, do you have to help Matoya the witch before or after you, you help the pirate? Or you, before uh, you beat the pirate, excuse me? Uh
3: before, right? Yeah, that's before.
5: Okay. Yeah. All right.
3: Yeah. Well, really, it's kind of in the middle of more or less. Okay. Because you have to go and get the crystal from the Mars, or the crown from Mars, cave to get the crystal from Aztos to wake up the elf prince and all that noise. <laughs> well,
5: yeah, you know, it, does, it does sound very awfully
1: D and D when you describe it like that. Like you're gonna go on your quest and go here to get this and this to that. <laughs> more, more or less. But you know, even though it is pretty, ins- like heavily inspired by D, you can still see that there was a lot of like i like a lot of the monster designs from that first game and you've seen that like some of the designs that they've come up with are monsters even though they've changed pretty radically as the series has gone on that they're still considered staples to the series that's why i think it's really i cool mean up. the origins of the series started out pretty simple but even though those simple beginnings have still kind of maintained their roots despite how the series has changed over the years
5: yeah
3: because, I mean, the monster list from the first game is basically just a rip from a and d monster manual.
0: I know. They've, they've had to change some of those names, I want to say, since the original, because some of them were very close to D&D. Yeah. I remember reading an article on that somewhere that it was like, mm, you know, after that first one, they... They, they went back and tweaked some names, changed them a little bit. Uh, that makes sense. So did anyone
2: ever... Uh, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, it, like, the, I remember this article, and it had like the whole little meme, like, hey man, can I copy your homework? Yeah, just change it up a little bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was going to say, uh, did, did anyone ever read the uh, the webcomic 8-bit theater, where they used uh, characters from the first oh, Final y- Fantasy game?
3: Oh, yes.
2: I was a big fan of that back in the day. That was hilarious. the The, the way they used to, to parody a lot of different things using all that Final Fantasy stuff from the first game was was absolutely great. That was a, that was that was always fun to read during that whole run. It, the comic is still up and full on the internet. So if you've got the time, it's like three thousand comics long, but you should go read it.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I recommend it. It's it, it's it starts out with these two characters uh, they they use a fighter and a black mage, and the black mage is is up to no good. Uh, he's always trying to get the you know trying to cheat or do whatever he can to succeed. and the fighter is just brainless and kind of like a Homer Simpson type character. and they they run into different types of characters throughout the series. It's, it's a lot of fun
0: nice I, I'm a let's see right about now i'm how far deep i'm a, I'm about three thousand pages deep into they, they die stuff oh nice. uh, yeah they've translated i think it's like 345 volumes um a group like 10 years ago did it mainly two guys took their entire entire college career to do it and <laughs> I, I i've tried getting a hold of them but none of their none of their irc or what stuff is around anymore but they they completed the entire die stuff so uh, that has been pretty fun.
2: Yeah, I'm on the last book of uh, Dragon Quest Monsters Plus. I'm almost—I've almost read the whole series. It's, it's only five books, but it, it's been fun to read.
0: Yeah, that—that's what's sitting on my bedside table. And then die—I found Die, and <laughs> basically it's like 40 books.
2: Did you get through the? Did you get the, through the first nine episodes of uh, Die the, the the anime that the, the guy uh, subtitled off the, the new release?
0: No, I've. Uh... Gosh, should I watch that or? No, Liam wants to do an episode on Abel first, so I've been watching Abel instead.
2: I hope, I hope but... Dwayne was able to finally watch that last episode they took down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> or Dwayne. Oh, the day he went to watch it, it was gone. I just imagine that when, he, when
1: that happened to him, like, there was just like that sad Charlie Brown piano music playing in the background. He just walks away, his head slumped over. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness! well, um, right, since I was we say we're ready them, for Final Fantasy 2. Oh yeah, we better rip that band-aid off cuz well, this is for those who are unaware that it's kind of the black sheep of the Final Fantasy games and a lot of people tend to write it off pretty quick because uh, it's it, so radically different from like how every other game plays. Just for a little heads up for anybody who's listening that hasn't played it before, instead of a normal level up system, you level up by doing different actions so if you use a sword for instance you might increase your sword level or if you take enough damage you might increase your hp a little bit so it's it's pretty different from a lot of rpgs both back then and even still now
3: yeah i think more or less they were trying to go for and correct me if i'm wrong on this but i i feel like i've read before that they were trying to keep away from the whole grinding aspect of the game so they went for hey, you know, whatever your character uses, they'll get more proficient in that.
0: Which and that logically
3: led... kind of... Yeah, it makes sense, right? It mm-hmm. absolutely makes sense to do. Except when you can target your own party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what a lot of people did. I, I can tell you that I spent a lot of time on low-level mobs with one character just casting a spell over and over again just so I can level it up to the next level.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this I played
0: this, I was going to say, I played this back in the day on the Game Boy Advance too because 1 and 2 came together there. And mm-hmm. I, I just... Th- this was back in the years when... Um, I was married to a pharmacist that made like three times my salary, so I had the entire summer off, like Monday through Friday, all day at home alone, nothing to do, not a care in the world, lived in the lived in an apartment, so you know, like 2003, 2004, I was binging TV shows before binging was a thing. Um, I'd go online and download a torrent with like all 273 episodes of Stargate SG-1, and for like two months, that's all I'd watch, and I'd have the GBA in front of me, and so yeah, I did the same thing. Plenty of time spent just whacking myself.
2: <laughs> Where's Liam when you need him?
4: Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, guys, you guys mentioned tearing a bandaid off uh, for Fall <laughs> Fantasy Two. I but just I'll, have. Oh, go sorry. ahead. No, it's, it's, i didn't mean to interrupt.
0: Oh no, I was gonna say I enjoyed it. I it, it was weird. It was different. Um, I enjoyed it. It was fine. That whole
4: um. With, with Fall Password Fantasy Two. Oh no, don't even get me started with that. The whole no, password uh,
3: words and stuff?
4: Yeah, that was. <laughs> I liked that, but I pulled out something that I rarely use for anything except getting Master Balls and Pokemon because I didn't play it competitively. I pulled out the game chart and I said, okay, let me get a limited life, a limited HP and MP so that I don't have to worry about leveling and suddenly getting killed by going across the map. I never got a hang of that game's leveling system whatsoever. <laughs> I literally played it on the GBA just to uh, see what it could uh, what it unlock for uh, Final Fantasy One, and I can't remember if it did or not.
3: Yeah, I'm not, not, not sure if it does. There, there. Final Fantasy Two did have a nice touch to it. Is they. They made the overworld seem a little bit more lived in Mm -hmm. than, say, Final Fantasy 1, because I always liked when I was walking across the world map, and then you'd just see an airship just you know fly by, and it gave a little bit more um, atmosphere to the game.
4: Now, I will gotta say, one thing I enjoyed about playing through Final Fantasy 2 was this actual storyline itself. I mean, it was dark. Yeah. Especially considering a lot of games, even even on the Nintendo now back in the day. You couldn't get anything back past Nintendo sensors. And they had, from what I understand, pretty much fully approved the original game. It just never got released. And, dude, people die. Entire towns get destroyed. Freaking, yeah. uh the monk dude, Joseph, what was his name, Joseph?
1: Yeah, Something Joseph. like that? Yeah, it's Joseph.
4: He gets crushed by a boulder. And you you know he ain't posting that damn thing off. He gone.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the thing with Final Fantasy II that is just so drastically different from Final Fantasy I. Because Final Fantasy I is very kind of by-the-book fantasy, where, like, you are the four chosen heroes that have to save the world from evil. With Final Fantasy II, even though there's still the plot where you're chosen to go and save the day, it's more so that the main characters, a uh, and guy and Maria, they more so choose to join the fight and sort of become these leaders for the entire um, rebellion army, and it was such a darker storyline for an RPG both back then, and even looking at how the series has changed. It's you know it really sort of set the mood for how stories were going to sort of progress as the series went on, and how you really how they really um, introduced a lot of these. Uh, heavier plot lines and how character and how like how characters who join the party, even if only for a little while, how they can still have a real impact on the player and really catch you off guard if something does end up happening to them. It's really impressive that they were able to get a story like that not only to work as well as it did both on the, um, the original hardware it was for, but that even when it's reshown today in like remakes and stuff, that it still you know can leave a bit of an impact on you when you see that stuff happen. <clears throat> he yeah, just it just gave me chills.
2: I, was, I, just I was gonna say, chills. You're
1: going to say something, Pendy or
2: who's going to yeah. say something there? Sorry. So uh, I was just going to say with this one, I uh, when I was in college, I played a little bit of the fan translation for the Famicom version, but never really did much with it. And I think it was because of the, the weird level-up system, that, which is not really a level-up system. But then I ended up playing through the whole thing on the uh, Game Boy Advance. And while I did get through the whole game, yeah, I just was not, I didn't like that whole way of how you powered up all your characters. That was just not, not one of my favorites, to be sure, because of the way that that system is built. Just never liked it. Yeah, the
1: gameplay system of two is definitely, you know, it is real hit and miss with people. I remember, um, like, first experience with that was on the Game Boy Advance version, uh, again with, like, how Final Fantasy 1 was my first experience with that. And uh, what I really liked about the game, even though it was a little difficult at some points, especially, I did kind of like how different the leveling up system is. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I I wouldn't want to see that kind of thing in every single game. But I'm glad that, uh, you know, I did play through it. But honestly, when playing through it, I found it was actually better to kind of go against what some of the characters wanted you to try and or what the game kind of wanted you to do with some characters, like, I know Maria. She starts off in the back row and with the bow. Honestly, you're better off putting Maria in the front row, giving her like a sword and some other weapon or something, and just let her go to town and level up that way. Because she ends up getting a lot better with a bow or with a like a sword or a spear versus what they're just playing on bow.
3: That's what I did with her. I put her on the front lines with like an axe, I think.
1: And um, what I like about uh, the Game Boy Advance version, and I believe the PSP version does this as well. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, with the new content that they added for uh, that remake, you could actually, uh, if you made progress with four of the characters who perish at the game, uh, uh, Minwoo, uh, who's the white mage, uh, you have Joseph, who's the monk that uh, Matt or that Matt mentioned before. Uh, you have Ricard, uh, the uh, dragoon that shows up kind of later in the game, and then there's I think Scott is the fourth character if I remember right, who's the brother of. Gordon, who's one of the main characters, if it I'm remembering God. correctly. But um, anyway, all the progress that you make with those temporary characters, even though they perish in the main game, in the post-game content, well, yeah, I guess it is kind of post-game content, with the um, Dawn of Souls um, extra content you can play through, all that progress you made with those characters is still carried over, and you can still use those characters. So it's not like your efforts were in vain for if you like, leveled them up a lot or if you decided that, hey, I'm going to give this person, you know make them focus more on these spells. And it's like, oh, crap, no, I just lost that character. But it's like, aha, now in this part of the game, you can use that stuff, no problem.
0: Nice. Um, you know, we were talking about the leveling system, and I know uh, Matt, you, and Zachary, and I were chatting earlier today about, you know, at some point down the road, we'll have to do a Saga episode. Well, th- this is how Saga came about. This was, uh, was it Kwazu? Um, he did Final Fantasy two, and then after that they were like, "Oh, holy shit, we're not doing that kind of system again." <laughs> so <laughs> he went off and started making the saga games, which all, all have those, you know, different kind of leveling up and learning abilities, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we had tons of saga games now, and other games have kind of spiritually followed it. The uh, Legend of Legacy and Alliance Alive um, have kept it up, but I mean they're still pumping out saga games. I know you guys are playing the uh, saga game on your phones right now, but yeah, yeah it, it all has its that whole series has its roots in Final Fantasy too.
1: Yeah, I definitely would say that the saga games have definitely improved on that system with how you level up characters and stuff, and how skills are learned. Only thing I wish with Saga games is that it was a little easier to figure out how to, like, increase specific stats. Because, unfortunately, it's not like Final Fantasy II where you just had to, you know, take damage enough times or you had to, you know, use attacks or magic enough times to increase, like, your wisdom or your strength or something like that. That's a little bit confusing. I'll admit most of the Saga games that I've played. But, I mean, for the most part... It, saga games really feel like what the system could really become once it sort of geared up and was doing its own thing.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't think that there is any way to guess on what stats are going to increase in a in a saga game. <laughs>
5: there
3: I, there is. I played through *Romancing Saga* two recently, and no matter that, let me, let me tell you, that was very frustrating. Especially when you're trying to do something very specific, and you know you can get one shot, no problem. But you can fight in 20 fights and your strength won't go up, but you get all these points in your intelligence.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm, it's horrible. Yeah. It's, Romancing Saga 2 is definitely a difficult experience. And that was the first game that Matt or that Platy and I <laughs> first played together on one of our races. And we learned pretty quick that it was one of the hardest ones for a race. <laughs>
0: yep. Yeah. Uh, neither of us finished yeah. it. Zachary's done more of it than me, but man, I think I put like 20 hours yeah. into it. And what are there six, six or seven of the big fiends or whatever that?
5: Yeah. Yes, yeah, the seven yeah.
1: heroes. Yeah. The did, seven.
3: Did, did you ever beat... make it to the final empire or the final oh, emperor? No,
0: I, I only beat the one that you beat. <laughs> like the very first generation. I mean, oh, I, yeah, I, you kept
1: looking for everybody.
0: <laughs> I I mean, I explored eighty percent of the world. I found I, I knew where a couple others were, but yeah, I was just never powered up enough to even take them on
1: yeah i've I've, kind of, I've been able to track down a few more of them like i've still been playing the game on and off but i can i've now up to the point where i've killed um three of them uh i don't remember their names unfortunately but it's the it's the starting one of uh, the, the one who controls the battleship that's traveling on the land and the one who is melding himself with different beasts and monsters make himself stronger but the other ones that i found paths to are. Uh, are uh the one who's like part octopus i found the way to find the one who's like up in the clouds i think his name is wagnus if i remember right and i believe i found the one called noel who's uh like a sword master So i'm in the desert and people have mentioned that there's a the sword guy but yeah it's definitely a game where i might play it for like a few hours and it's like okay i need to step away from a while
5: <laughs> but it's
1: still fun i still like it it's like final fantasy 2 it's kind of frustrating but it can still be a fun time you just have to kind of maybe take it in strides a little bit here and there and if something's kind of bothering you or it's frustrating the game's like okay let's just step back for a little bit play something else we'll come back and we'll try again
0: very much so anybody else got anything to say about two
3: maybe play it if you're interested
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah, definitely (laughs) a a completionist of the series kind of game to play if you're going to
3: play any version of it play the dawn of souls version it's probably the best way to play
1: yeah because the psp version i've played that but man it has it has loading times for battles that's never a
3: good thing. does it does it really because i don't remember the first game having that problem
1: no the first game doesn't have that but um i have uh for my psp that i bought years and years ago like some of the few physical games i had for were uh the two Final, or five fantasy one and two the PSP version, whatever the disc versions are called. Uh, but, uh, UMDs. Yeah, yeah fi- thank you, UMDs. But yeah, Final Fantasy II, it has loading screens for battles. Like the very first battle I got, a little chocobo pops up in the corner, like running across the screen. It took like five seconds or so for the battle to start. It's like, oh, I don't oh know no. if I'm going to be playing this one. I don't know if it does that if you have it digitally. Like if you bought a digital version on your PSP or something. But This is just, reminiscent
3: of Final Fantasy Chronicles for the PS1. Ugh.
1: Yeah, I tried playing the PS One version of Final Fantasy V that way, and oh boy, that was that was a waste. That was a waste of five dollars. I shouldn't have bought that on the PSN. <laughs> I could use that five bucks on something else. Instead, I just bought a loading screen simulator.
3: <laughs> it's not that bad. I played through Final Fantasy V on a PlayStation One. Um, you know, the anthology version way back in the day, and I have I have the first edition of that. where... You've got a random chance that the game's just gonna bug out on you when in a loading screen. So,
1: oh well, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that the translation too where the Tonberry is renamed to Dingleberry? I uh, I don't remember. Oh god, I thought there was a version of Final Fantasy V where for because and they didn't realize the context of what that can mean. That I swear that Tonberry was renamed Dingleberry, like it was D-I-N-G-L and then Berry after it.
4: Uh, that would be the Super Nintendo fan
5: translation.
1: Oh, gosh.
5: <laughs> What's that
4: version?
1: Okay. They probably did a literal translation on it. Oh, man. All uh, uh, right. Well, <laughs> um, before we get too off topic um, and jump to five, let's go back and we'll talk about Final Fantasy Three. <laughs> A.K.A. the I one mean? that we did not get until the Nintendo DS version came out.
3: Was that the first one? Because I played it on the PSP. Oh, oh guess- yeah. The D.
0: Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, the DS came out first. I remember um, that was like almost one of those day one purchases for me. Um, just, you know, kind of being a fan of all the earlier Final Fantasies and whatever. When that came out, that was great. I spent so much time and effort on the weird mail system that it had. Um, like to send messages like through the Internet, you had to get like three pieces of mail people to respond to um to unlock the onion knight class i don't know if you remember that it was you know this is well before most online features Interesting. but you know the ds did have some weird stuff and I, I don't think like anybody was on the den doing it i think i actually like on game faqs was like posting and messaging people like hey someone want to trade mail just so we can get up to our three people it, it had some weird feature to unlock that which i'm sure the psp didn't it was probably Quite easy.
4: With that weird dongle that you could buy and hook it up to your computer if you were lucky?
0: No.
3: See, I, play, I played the PSP version just because you could use um, a remixed, or you could listen to a remixed soundtrack. That was the feature
1: for the PSP version.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that's the way to go with it, too. Is that, or play it on Steam, because even though Steam has the mobile um, look and menus as you scroll through, it still has a lot of the same features that the uh, PSP... Version has so if you have a PC and you want to try and play the game, then there you go. You can get it off Steam for like ten bucks, I think. I mean, Steam and uh, mobile are pretty much the same exact version but Yeah, Yes, anyone played the? Um, I think I believe there's a pretty good fan translation for the original uh, Famicom version. Has anyone tried playing that one before, or has everybody here mainly played the uh, remake version of the game? I beat it a-
4: in high school.
1: <laughs>
3: Oh, wow, it's only $8 on Steam right now for Final Fantasy three Get it.
4: I might have to get that when I get home.
3: Buy it to the Square next store.
2: That's where the sale is.
1: Uh, I, I, have you played Final Fantasy III at
2: all? Or? Yeah, I have. I, I, I did try the, again, in college when I was trying a bunch of different ROMs back, back in the day. Um, I tried the fan translation for that that you were just asking about for the Famicom. But I never really got much of it. It wasn't until we got it for the ds uh the 3d 3D version that i did play through the whole game uh when that came out and it was pretty good like uh i liked the the class system that it introduced and it was uh, it was interesting i I remember there was the one part in that game that frustrated me was i think there was one part where you 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 couldn't really win against the boss or get through the dungeon unless you like changed all your characters to dragoons or something like that i'm kind of vague on it but like besides that because um i had i had fun with it and it was it was pretty good yeah i i th- i also played the fan translation
3: well i should say up to the first dungeon on the nes fan translation like 20 years ago i think but um i wasn't very good at it so i didn't get get too terribly far
4: What I always liked about the, and this can go for other systems that you can do through emulators, especially with the job system, is, fast forward, I don't remember, I can't remember specifically if they had a mastery system in the NES version, but, uh, (laughs) oh lord, the DS version, I could not emulate it at all, I beat the NES version and loved it. I loved it to death. But when they did the 3DS version, they did the, I'm pretty sure they did the mastery system where you could master your classes and stuff, like in Final Fantasy V. And uh, <laughs> I fast forwarded to that as much as I could and grinded like crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that's I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think, honestly, that the NES translation had a better storyline patch-wise. But, I mean, the 3DS version was the first version a lot of people played. So, I can't say whether one is better or not, because most people don't have a version to compare it to. That is a fair
1: point, because really, it's only if you're in Japan or if you 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 do decide to try and emulate it that you're really going to know what the key differences are and, like, what comparisons would be. Because I'd be be curious, too, with the Japanese versions of 3 and some of the other games, too. Like, how different does the script change? Like, do they really, like, clean up the script from, like, you know, the original to the remakes? Do they change some of the storyline stuff? You know, because we probably would never know.
4: Uh, What they really did was, uh, you know how they started adding accents and stuff to games? Yeah. After... Like, I guess the first Dragon Quest remake? I can't remember when they really started doing it, but uh, Fall Fantasy III got that hard like it was crazy if i remember right it's one of those games where i actually only played through both copies once and never really touched it again because i haven't had a chance to Mm -hmm. like if i play it again i want to play it on a tv so i'm gonna have to be perfectly honest i have an amazon fire stick in my drawer at home since i don't really use it that much because i have a smart tv i keep I mean, I have it on my watch list for Amazon for whenever Square
1: Enix does a sale again, so I can play it on. Yeah, Final Fantasy III, my first experience with that one was, uh, like well, a lot of you guys, was the DS version. I can't remember if I bought it new or used. I honestly can't. I think it was used, but... um. It was. I think I played it after I played one of the other three uh, D remakes that had come out, or at the time, or just I played it after I played some of the other ones because three was one of the few ones I hadn't played from the earlier games, and uh, I think it was actually the last one of these first six games that I played. But I didn't actually beat it until I played it on my uh, on my Vita because on the Vita you can download the PSP version of the game, and uh, I played through in there. I think like. Two years ago or something like that, if I remember right. And I ended up getting super addicted to it after a while. I think I mentioned it to Platy a few times, like when I got certain classes unlocked and like when I was doing my grinding and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I remember at the end of the game, like for the most part, that game is pretty well balanced that you don't have to really grind job classes a whole awful lot. There are a few times, like Pendy had said, where you got to switch your jobs purposefully for certain bosses or certain areas. But for the most part, you can get through it. No real problem with grinding rubber. But boy, you hit the end of the game at the Crystal Tower. Oh, man, you hit a brick wall fast if you don't have some really strong classes or levels. Oh, man.
3: That happened to me the first time I played the game on the uh, PSP. As I got to that Crystal Tower, and I just basically
1: got floored. Oh, yeah, it's bad. It's Bad. <laughs> I think, and maybe you guys did this too, but I remember when I played uh, on my Vita, I had gone through the land of Eureka, which is a bit of a bonus dungeon where you can get some of the strongest gear and like the two bonus classes, the ninja and the sage. After I did that, I ended up turning everybody into battle masters. I went into the Crystal Tower, just pretty much stayed on the first floor, had everybody grind that class up, just because the Battlemaster gives a ton of HP bonuses when you level up with it. So I just did that until everybody had like 7,000 HP. So I'm like, okay, we'll we'll try it now.
4: (laughs) Man, you just made me remember the freaking Crystal Tower and that
1: maze that came before it. Yeah, Ugh. That's definitely one of the hardest My final areas. The wall for that. Yeah, definitely one of the hardest end games for a Final Fantasy because there's no save point at any point in between the Crystal Tower and the final boss. Like you can't save anywhere inside. Like not even in the 3D remakes you can do that. You gotta save outside, and you better make sure you can beat the whole thing because otherwise you die at some point. Guess what you gotta do again? <laughs> I mean, you
3: know, it was kind of it was it was, was kinda of hard like that. The,
4: you go still ahead. get to go through the forbidden planned eureka beforehand and i honestly loved the music for that particular little i guess you can call it mini section i mean i know it's optional but i mean hell you go through there you get the best equipment in the game Bahamut, and all that crap so you still kind of gotta go through it or you're gonna die Mm -hmm.
3: i mean final fantasy one was the same way it was very difficult you had to save outside the um temple of chaos and Go in there and get all the way to the bottom floor, fighting all four fiends again, and then you have to get to fight the final boss, all without saving or uh, anything like that. So yeah, yeah, that was pretty difficult. Especially once in like the final area, the final final area, you start running into like zombie dragons who can just tear your party down if you're not ready.
4: Mm-hmm. You just um, got me humming the freaking
1: Palm Fantasy one boss. Funny, <laughs> but um. What I liked with Final Fantasy 3 was that, you know, I do like the job class system a lot, how they really changed that. Not really a big fan of, like, how if you change jobs, that you have to, like, re-strengthen the job class back up, like, after, like, two, three, four battlefront, the case might be. But I thought it was a really good idea, like, how they changed up the job class system, and especially with, like, the 3D remakes, because I, like, one class that I never had touched in some of the other games was the Geomancer class. Boy, that class can actually get. Really strong if you stick with it for a while. Like When I played on my Vita, one of my characters, I believe the girl, uh, Riffia, I kept her as the Geomancer for pretty much the whole game. She was getting so strong by the end, she could use that one uh, Shadow Flare spell and do like 6,000 damage to enemies for like no MP whatsoever. It was crazy. (laughs) And that's what I think is really impressive about that job class system too for that game that even though it's pretty simple by some of the other game standards and like how later games like 5 really further pushed it, I think it's still really cool how they were able to get or pull off a lot with that system, both in the original and with the remake, that they were able to get. Um, you know, you were able to get your money's worth out of investing a job class for a while. I
3: forget, when you change jobs in Final Fantasy three. Do, do you have a stat block change, or does do you carry everything over?
1: Um... I don't know a hundred percent for sure. I think whatever stats you gain from being in a job class, you stick with because I remember, like uh, when I did all my Battle Master grinding, at the end of the game, like when everybody got up to seven thousand HP, like when I switched into other classes, whether it was a mage class or a physical fighter class or just sort of a support class, they still kept that relative same amount of HP. Like everybody stayed over seven thousand. I gotcha. So I think, I want to say yes that it carries over, but there might be a few things that change, just like a teeny bit, depending on what class you're in, you know, better support. Yeah, sport. That, that
3: makes sense. I, I imagine I imagine more. It's been so long since I've played it, I can barely remember anything about it.
1: Yeah, that's sort of the thing with 3, I think, is it does have a lot, I think, kind of like 1 and 2, or especially like 2, it does have some pretty cool moments to it, but some of the characters and some of the um, events and cutscenes don't unfortunately leave as much of an impact. But having said that, I do think that Three has some pretty cool characters and some cool ideas for, like, um, what are their names? Uh, Doga and Wene, I believe they are. They're two of the three students of a character called Noah that you hear about and how they were given gifts and how the third student was uh, Zandi, who you believe is the big bad for the game, and how his gift was something that kind of made him go crazy, and he didn't like it, so he basically turned against the world for it. I think his gift was the gift of humanity, I believe, whereas the other two got like these, uh, like Une is the protector of dreams, and Doga is like the protector of magic. So they got to keep their, their, uh, they got to stay alive forever, and meanwhile their fellow student Zandi was basically going to be killed off at some point, and die of natural causes. (laughs) <laughs> but um you know it, it's so really kind
4: of sorry i was gonna say it just really makes you think for a minute uh so this is kind of since we already discussed spoilers uh i'm not gonna try and derail it that much but anyone rem- has anyone has everyone watched the new uh dragon ball z I've seen
5: yes
3: it, yeah yeah i've seen it
4: okay uh well frieza instead of wanting to wish for immortality, obviously, if you remember watching it, decides he wanted to wish on the Dragon Balls, which was the whole point of the movie technically, to grow a little taller. And when he asked, why not wish to be immortal? And Frieza said flat out while he was in hell, he realized that being in being immortal would ultimately ultimately be fruitless and and uh, what's the term? Fruitless and uh there's another word. Uh it's I'm gonna have to there's another word that you can use for, but uh, intolerable. It would just be endless misery after a point. Mm -hmm. And if you really think about it, that is Zande's true downfall. He does not realize that immortality like he originally wanted, it would have gotten old real quick.
2: And that was was actually a funny
5: joke.
4: It really was. But uh, it just makes you kind of wonder like, damn, why? Well, you know what? I'm not going to get into the spiritual standpoints of it. My point is, why would anyone really want to be a mortal, and Zande is no exception? I mean, hell, Doga and Une
1: die, and they're happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they choose to help you get stronger, and they choose to let themselves be killed off. Because, And that's the thing I like about Three Two is that even though I don't think its story is quite as strong as some of the other ones, like it does have characters that when you run across them, and you meet them, and you get your interactions with them, that you still, you know, you, know, you kind of... a little attached to him so when stuff happens to him it's like oh that's 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 too bad like one character that i like even though she's only in the game for like not even an hour or so is uh, the priestess aria you meet when you uh travel off of the floating continent in the game because when the game starts off your characters all begin on this what they believe is the world but it turns out that the first world map essentially is only just a teeny little portion of the actual giant world as a whole and when they go off of the floating continent and go to uh, the real world below they end up meeting one of the few survivors who's essentially not lost in like this sort of strange darkness fog that's surrounding the planet and she's a priestess that you help out and even though like in the remake especially she forms a bit of an attachment with one of the main characters, Luneth, who's sort of your starting protagonist character. And even though she's only in the game for really only about maybe 30, 40 minutes or so, you know, she has a nice little melody for her theme song. It's used a lot in other Final Fantasy games, like in the theater within Final Fantasy games, as one of the music tracks for uh, the little uh, video version of a song you can play to see events from the game. And she does leave impact because she has to make that or she takes the sacrifice to save the heroes from dying from the attack of a monster and it's because of that that they're able to restore the rest of the world back to the light and you know essentially continue on their quest so it's kind of like with the une and doga thing where even though you might not know them for the longest time like their actions still help further impact the heroes and make a change for the rest of the world as a whole that's the story you know as far as the story goes
4: uh while you're talking about the story there's one Thing that get kind of omitted from the remake in the original the four characters the um, the onion knight if you would they're all brothers related like blood brothers and they were rescued by by the Final fantasy 3 sid on his airship from the original overworld as a matter of fact sid is from the overworld and i in the re- Remake. I think that they just all happen to be orphans that he brought up from the Overworld. I don't think that they ever really expanded on that. I thought well, one I of always,
3: them was the was the daughter of a king or something. No, he, no she was the daughter of a blacksmith. I think. Yeah.
4: So she, no, she was his heir. Like all four of the all four of the characters really were picked up by Sid and dropped off at various
1: points around the world. Well, the floating continent. I think it's something like. Like, Sid was taking different people from the, like, going back and forth between, like, the overworld and the footing continent. And something happened along the way that he ended up with these four uh, orphan kids, which are uh, Lunith, uh, Ark, Rithia, and Ingus, I believe, are their names in the remake. And he kind of just, like Matt said, he just kind of takes them off to different places and ends up finding families for them to raise them. And then Sid goes off back to, you know, doing what he was doing before, before the world got covered in that darkness. I don't remember if the darkness happened during that time when Sid was transporting the kids around, or if it was um, if it happened after that point. Like he tried to go back to the Overworld, but then it was like covered in the darkness or something. I don't remember that point, unfortunately. But yeah, Matt is right though that he did end up taking the four orphans with him at some point, and whether they lost their families along the way or not, I don't remember. But yeah, like even though it is you know a little more a little more complicated than one story, and a little less complicated than two story. I think it's still a pretty you know, pretty good impactful story for an NES RPG because like when you beat the game you do feel like like you know, you did it. And I remember watching even the ending for the three D remake, like it still felt like a satisfying conclusion to that game, especially after all the crap you go through before it, but <laughs> it still felt like a good ending and a good experience overall. I would probably say that of the NES RPGs from the series that three is probably my personal favorite of them. I, I want to go back to it at some point.
5: Okay. Now's
3: the perfect time. Can't just, drop, game, just, yeah. just, just drop everything else and start playing it.
1: Uh, I've already done that with a few other games. <laughs> 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 I've been bad about doing that already. <laughs> oh goodness! Now you you do you
3: do the um, what everybody who plays RPGs do? You play something for about ten hours, then you kind of go, I want to play something else, and then you start another RPG and do the same thing, and then you just kind of move in a full circle until you come back to the game you were at. You're know, like, I'm ten hours in. Maybe I should just start over and you know, so I can get a refresh on the story and continue the cycle.
4: No, I can beat you on that cycle, unfortunately. Thanks to digital releases and most consoles where you can buy a game for sometimes as low as nineteen cent. You buy I mean, you see a game, you like, you buy it, you play it for about maybe, like you said, maybe five, ten. I was like, Okay, this is nice. Ooh, there's something else on sale. Let me get that. Ooh, that. Ooh, pretty. Ooh, pretty! Everyone has ADHD and over 500 games in the digital library now.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Nintendo yeah. and Game controller, controller Wallet,
1: Steam especially can do that too with some of the sales they have. I remember when I had my uh, Steam on my PC or on my laptop in college. And, boy, there were times I really had to make sure, like I'm like, okay, I gotta you know not go crazy with buying stuff.
4: What about storage back in the day? Well, I actually no. know. What about storage now? Aren't some PC games and even like PS4 enough, like almost a terabyte in size or some crap? Or is it just like 90 to 100 gigs? Sorry, I'm behind on that curve. I have a high capacity card in my Switch, but I have like 150 games on my spread. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> about I don't
0: think they're that big. At this point, I mean, and Switch, I mean, even with stuff like the Switch and the uh, PC, I don't worry too much because you don't have to keep them all installed. I, I, when I beat games, I uninstall them anyway, for the most part, because I know I'm not going back. But I mean, PC games, heck, I think I've only got like ten in my Switch library anyway, and <laughs> that, that that's just one I've never got into, and uh, probably eight of those are review codes I got from RP Gamer, um, played them, reviewed them, uninstalled them, whatever. Now, the Switch I could see filling up because, yeah, I bought digitally Grandia and um, I got Rune Factory 4 on there digitally. But luckily, when I bought my Switch used a year ago, it came with, I think I got, I got 200, whoever bought it and I bought it off of. They had a huge memory stick in there and I haven't even filled it halfway between. So, kind of kind of a little uh, lucky there.
4: Well before, for- we from, oh. before we move on from Final Fantasy 3, uh, I decided to look up the Wikipedia of it. On the Palm Fancy Wiki for shits and giggles, uh, apparently the manga one of the one of the name main, main character that they get one of the sorry I can't get it out right one of the onion knights is named Doug and I think that's hilarious. <laughs> just Doug,
1: just Doug.
4: <laughs> like, hi, I'm Doug. I'm your friendly battle master today. Prepare to die.
1: Does he have a brother named Dig? Big <laughs> <Good> Doug. <laughs> Um, uh, well, uh, before we move on to the Super Nintendo games, do you guys have anything else you want to say about the uh, first three games before we move on? No. 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 <laughs> no. I think I think we've
3: covered a lot in the last hour. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, with that, with uh,
1: that said, then with that and covering that, now we move on to one of my personal favorite uh, games, both from Final Fantasy and just in general, Final Fantasy IV. This is definitely one of the big ones for a lot of people S-s-s- who's
3: going to say it who's going to say the line
1: you oh, bard. Bard.
4: <laughs> i have a line better than that but uh i can wait
1: i'll just get this out of the way with final fantasy 4 i am a little bit biased towards this one because this was the first uh, game that i played from the series but it was also the first rpg that i played that or the first time that I played an RPG where I really was getting into the genre more, because uh, prior to playing Final Fantasy IV, like, the only RPGs I really played was uh, the two Dragon Warrior Monsters game on my Game Boy Color, and um, a few Mario RPGs that had come out at the time, like Paper Mario 1, uh, Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door, and the, I think at that point it was just the first two Mario and Luigi games. So my RPG experience was a little bit more limited, but I when I played Final Fantasy Four, it really kinda of opened my eyes to what an RPG can be like and sort of, you know, gave me more of the experience to like try out different RPGs and the like and seeing like what a story can or how a story can be told effectively in a game like this and how the characters can really leave an impact on you and the music and the world and everything can tie in together. So I'll, I'll just be honest, I really think that Final Fantasy IV is a fantastic game. I know even by today's standards, it's seen as a little cliche in a few things, but even when I first played on the Game Boy Advance, I thought it was just a really great time. I still love going back to that game all, all the time. I love it.
3: I really like the PSP version, you know, the I guess the de facto definitive version of it at this point.
1: Mm-hmm. That is a very good version to pick up if you like the
3: 2D style. Because I didn't get to play the Super Nintendo version because I just didn't have a Super Nintendo during that time frame when I was a kid. But I did my first time playing it was on Final Fantasy Chronicles for the PS1, which was the Final Fantasy 4 Chrono Trigger uh, combo pack like they did with Mm -hmm. Anthology for 5 and 6. And I think it had load times on it, which kind of threw me for a loop because it always would take a couple of seconds to load between battles and menus and stuff like that, though so my memory might be a little uh, fuzzy on that since it's been, again, 20 years since I've played that version.
2: For that version, did they was that uh, based off the easy type that we got for Super Nintendo, or is that based off the original, I, or did they have
3: an option for both? I, I know that the script is the Ted Woolsey script from the Super Nintendo version, but I Mm. can't remember on the difficulty if it was easy type or not. They might have given you the option for hard type.
1: I believe, Fendi, it's based off of the actual, like, original Final Fantasy IV. Because I remember talking with a buddy of mine who, back back in high school, who had played the PS1 version, and he said, like, Cecil had access to darkness, and Yang had access to all of his various skills, like focus, kick, and uh, uh, whatever Yang's third one is. But it's not like... um, the US for, or the easy type we got for the Super Nintendo where you know they kind of butchered some of the abilities characters had oh yeah so I,
2: that was, that was, go ahead. Oh, no I'm sorry you go uh, I was just gonna, that, that was the uh, the time where that kind of uh, pissed me off later when I, I found out about it how like the Japanese were like oh these Americans they can't play RPGs they don't they don't know what the hell they're doing so they gave us like the easy type for Final Fantasy 4 and they're like, eh, let's get uh, Final Fantasy V. Dude. Nah, Mystic Quest. I have the Paint by Numbers RPG. Here you go. I, that was, I thought that was interesting. Yep. Mystic Quest is the best
1: Final Fantasy ever. <laughs> it definitely has one of the best boss themes. That game definitely has a pretty rocking soundtrack for sure. It,
3: it really does. Did you yes. know that you can get a game over on the scripted battle at the very <laughs> beginning of that game? Yes. What? yes, it has happened to me multiple times. If you are fighting the beast at the very beginning of the game when you meet the old man who's just like ah, you know, beat this ball, bo- beat this creature. The creature can crit you because it's supposed to be a you're supposed to win by like one hit but the creature has the ability to crit you so it can do double damage and take you out first. So you can get a game <laughs> over before the game even starts. Um,
5: uh...
1: Uh, that's funny. But um have you guys played um all the different versions of Final Fantasy 4 or have you mainly played like the or like the 2D ones or have you played the 3D one at all? Like the 3D remakes? I, the I can
4: so, tell you that I, that I have played... I think I've played everything. I think so.
3: I never played the Super Nintendo version of it, but I don't think I, I'm any worse I, for the wear for it to be honest because if it's the easy time, I, I guess it doesn't really matter. I would like to kind of just go back through it one day, but, you know, I started with the playstation one version i played you know i don't think i've played the game boy advance version of it but uh yeah i just when of whenever i play it these days i just i just play the psp version
5: there you go.
2: yeah i played the uh the super nintendo version as a kid borrowed it from a neighbor friend that had it and then i also played the uh the 3d remake on the ds and i guess some people kind of give that version crap for the way that it looks but i thought it looked really cool i like the way that they reimagined and updated all the graphics so i, I thought it was fun so those are the versions i played oh yeah and i'm that's right.
3: right the ds
0: version i forgot
2: yep, all about i'm that.
0: right there with you pendy those are the two i've played I've, i played the uh snes although that was on an emulator at towards the end of college um when i started realizing like oh yeah i need to get back into rpgs what have i missed in the past like eight years mm-hmm. um and then yeah I, I got the ds one and i, I thought it was fine too i it, you know what it, it was right there the Final Fantasy 3 and 4 I I don't mind that it was fine
3: Final Fantasy 4 DS is a very different beast though it is it's fun but it's very different I think I remember reading a interview with the director of the game way back in the day and he's like basically treat this like not Final Fantasy 4 because while it's Final Fantasy 4 at the same time it's not Final Fantasy (laughs) 4
1: That is a pretty fairly accurate way to describe it because, like, they completely changed, like, the skill system. They've changed, like, the script is, I think the script is just absolutely fantastic in the the DS version. It's really good. I think it was only translated by one guy, too. Because I think what it was, I remember reading this years ago, but apparently what it was was originally Square was just going to reuse the script from the GBA version of the game. But this one guy who's a big fan of 4, who worked at Square at the time, was like, oh, hope, you know, I'll retranslate the game. And he did it all by himself. I don't know how accurate that story is, but from my understanding, that guy redid the entire script. It took him a long time to do it, but he was pretty proud of the work that he put into it. And you, you can tell because there's a lot of really nice... Changes in the store and the writing of that game because a, um, like the GBA version, the, the script in that, and like the PSP version, it's not bad. It's it's you know it's a good script, but when you compare it to the G or the um the, the the DS version of the game, its script is like night and day for like quality of how well it looks, how well it reads.
2: That's nice, and it was also great to see how uh, much of an upgrade that they tried to do with that particular remake because. Uh, with a lot of with a lot of Dragon Quest remakes, uh, they they're known for you know how how much they do to it. Like a lot of them, except for maybe like the Game Boy Color ones. But usually, if they put it on a modern system, they do like a major graphical uh, rehaul, and they add a lot of nice bonuses to it. But like uh, at least as far as I knew at the time, like I had known Final Fantasy remakes to be something like what they did with the collection on the PlayStation. Like uh, here's all here's four, five, and six. We're not going to do much to it. We'll add some CGI scenes and a bestiary and good have fun with the loading times. And that was it. But uh, it was <laughs> nice to see that we kind of built it from the ground up and did like a full on remake of it, which is, mm-hmm. it was, was nice to see that.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um, with 4,
2: I I
1: own most versions of the game that have been officially released in the West. Like, I do have a physical copy of Final Fantasy 4. Well, it's technically called Final Fantasy 2. That's one of the games that got renamed over here when it originally came out. But um, I have a physical copy of that. I have um, physical copies of, like, the Game Boy Advance and the DS version. I have the PSP version physically as well, and I have some digital versions of all of them. And the only one I don't have is on my phone, but honestly, I'm kind of okay with that. But, you know, playing Final Fantasy 4 and kind of like how... But with you, Brewery, and how Final Fantasy 1 sort of the one you go back to all the time and replay, like, Final Fantasy 4 is one of those ones that I end up revisiting it a lot, whether it's the PSP version or the DS version, or if I'm feeling really nostalgic, I'll play the GBA version, so that's the first one I played. And, you know, every time I play it, you always find out something new, or you discover some sort of new little trick to it. That's why I think it's really cool about going back to some of these games.
3: That, that was me with the PSP version, and... Um... Gosh, what area was that in? Late game area, but I I found a way to basically get an infinite amount of experience in a single battle. <laughs> it was it it was, it was a trick that involved a enemy that would spawn creatures, so you would set up a like a uh, you would set up to where you would only have one character attack to kill it and have all of the other characters defend. And I think you could set up tactics in that game as well. So you just put it on a loop. It keeps summoning the creature. You have Levitate on your character, so they're floating, because the creature that gets summoned can do an earthquake attack that hits all your characters. So I remember doing that, setting my PSP down at work, and going to work for about six hours, and then picking my PSP up and finishing the battle and getting several million experience. (laughs) Nice. Uh,
1: That sounds like it must be one of those puppeteer enemies, because... One thing I like to do when I replay that game is when you get to the Tower of Zot, which is like right before you save Rosa from uh, Golbez, there's a puppeteer-type enemy that'll show up that's kind of like the one you were describing there, and he'll always resummon uh, the same like little puppet enemy, and you can just keep killing that thing again and again and again. You can get Cecil leveled up really easily that way, and whatever level Cecil starts at, or whatever or uh, level Cecil is at at the time, future characters that join will be about that point, too. So when you eventually get Rydia to come back and join your party, she ends up being really high level and has like a lot of the really powerful spells. <laughs> you just have to grind it out for a while, but it's worth it. Just it's like totally, million totally, experience.
3: Yeah, totally worth it. And then you can just uh, go to the moon and um, finish it fast. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> that is the one thing, too, like with the differences between the 3D version and the 2D version, like 2d version is like whether it's the original or like the remix or whatever uh, when i say original, I mean like the original japanese one it's not too difficult that you're gonna feel like it, you're gonna be overwhelmed but there are times where it will challenge you but when the 3d version like on the ds or steam it can get really hard oh my dude i remember playing that back when it first came out and even though i had a little guidebook to sort of like tell me about the augment system which is what all the uh, skills that you can pass on to other characters are boy even with reading that and kind of knowing what ones to focus on for some characters with the recommendations, I had a heck of a time playing through the DS1 the first time. It was so hard.
3: Same, same here. Because, you know, I had played through the uh, the PS1 version so many times and the 3DS version came out and I, I got that. And I was like, yeah, I know what to expect. I know what to do. And then just the little things changed here and there and it was just so much harder. Mm-hmm. I rem- I remember when you go to the dwarven kingdom for the first time and you have to fight the big doll boss i forget what what its name was
1: oh um it's a call
3: <laughs> yeah Calcabrana. and then after you beat him you have to fight uh golbez and i just kept getting just wiped by golbez in that in that fight and i just could not figure out what i was doing wrong but i was like i don't remember having this much of an issue when i played it you know on the previous versions Mm-hmm. That. And it just kind of continued that way throughout the rest of uh, my playthrough of that game of I'd hit points of just like hitting a wall of what am I doing wrong? Because there were just so many difficulty spikes.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing with that augment system too. Like um, For those who are listening that haven't played the DS version of the game or the 3D version, um, when you go through the game, the, the new system to it is called the augment system where you'll get these little special key items that You can pass off to different characters, like say you get one that's auto-heal with potions, and you can give that to one of the characters, and if you equip that to that character then from the status menu, oh, every time that character gets hit, oh, he's a potion on themselves, automatically heal 50 HP every time. The thing is, though, when you play that game the first time, you really got to pick and choose who gets what, because depending on what you give certain characters that only are in the party, for a limited amount of time, you'll get better skills from them. So you have to really decide, like, okay, am I going to give these to Edward? Am I going to give these to Yang? Am I going to give these to the twins, uh, the mage twins? Like, who are you going to give it to? And it really it kind of comes down to a bit of strategizing to figure out what's going to be the best things to help you further out in the game. Like, one of the things that I always Good. did when I play is I always go you can give Edward his stuff. Because even though Edward's, like, the big joke character of Final Fantasy as a whole, because he's just such a bad playable character, even though he's only in your team for, like, two dungeons, if you give him stuff, or if you give him these different augment skills, you can end up getting his support ability where he can use an item on everybody... And on the 3D version, they changed it so he can use Phoenix Downs and uh, High Ethers and Elixirs on every single character instead of just potions. So that's a really good one to have. You can get his Bard song where you can learn different songs throughout the game by talking to dancers. And you can, like, give haste to everybody. You can increase, increase everybody's HP. Or a set number of turns and different stuff like that. And every card every character, temporary or not, always has these different ones to pass on to you as they go along, th- as you go along through the game. So it gets really difficult if you don't know who's going to give you what, and if you're not like what we were talking about, you can just get steamrolled by something that's like, what the heck am I supposed to do? <laughs> uh, well,
4: I ain't got nothing. I actually was going to say uh, that's what I liked about the remake. I
1: just came back to the conversation. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize if I'm rambling a bit when we were talking about this one. It's unfortunately one of the games that I do have a lot to say. So,
3: apologies. Oh, no. It's all good, man. It's, it's like me with Final Fantasy 1. I. I could I could talk about that game all day long for how simple it is. Uh, four, is four is
2: one of the, uh, the better ones. You know, it's it, Gets you from the beginning. Like, it has a pretty good story to it when you're, you know, you're you've got that opening scene when you're on the airship and you're the dark knight and you're basically kind of the bad guy, and how, you know, that his journey from going, being a knight to being a paladin. I mean, that was pretty good. He was, that was probably definitely my favorite character. And uh, also, I, I don't know how you pronounce her name. Is it Radia? Radia? You pronounce I've it? I said it as, uh, I've always said it as Rydia.
3: That's why I've yeah, been. Rydia. Same Same here.
2: Yeah, yeah yeah so so Ridia, um I always liked her as well and, and plus I liked her ability to uh to summon like I've always been uh, a big fan of Final fantasy games with summoning and I always thought those were fun so uh, I I liked how she's the character that can do that in this particular game
1: mm-hmm. and that is one of the good things with Final Fantasy 4 too. like even though the characters do come and go pretty frequently in the game you you it really has one of the strongest casts of of one of the games, I would say, because you do get attached to a lot of the characters, even if some of them are only with you for a limited amount of time. And what's nice about um, like the 2D versions, uh, like the Game Boy Advance remake and the PSP remake, is that you can get back some of these characters who had previously been in your party when you get to the end of the game. And you can actually use them, beat the game, and you can unlock some extra content for them, which I think that was a nice addition that they threw in. If you got attached to characters like Sid or Yang or uh, the twins, Palom and Porom.
4: Did the uh, DS remake have the Lunar Trials?
1: Uh, no. Uh, the the DS remake did not keep that content into it, nor did it keep the Cave of Trials that you can access on uh, Mount Mycetia. But in its place, there are two new super bosses you can fight. Uh, Proto Babel and... Uh, oh, God, I don't remember the name of the other one. But essentially, it's like the powers of the four Elemental Fiends. Pretty much combined into one entity and you, you have to fight it and try and defeat it because otherwise it's going to like terrorize the world or something like that so you do get some new content and like there's all the voice cutscenes and everything but no they don't have the lunar trial dungeon or the um cave of trials that the uh, five other characters can take if uh, you decide to use them for the end game in the 2d versions uh, so. so let me ask you guys this who have played the 2d versions then When you get to the point at the end of the game where you can swap your characters, did any of you ever decide to bring Edward back into your party just to see what can happen with him? No, I Uh gave up
3: on him pretty early.
1: (laughs) Well, um, if you ever go back and replay I'm just going to tell you, keep Edward with you and get his Apollo heart from the Cave of Trials, because that thing will actually do like 900 or 9,999 damage to enemies in the um, lunar subterranean dungeon or the the final dungeon of the game, and when he gets past level seventy, all of his stats skyrocket like crazy. Edward becomes one of the fastest characters, outclassing everyone else in speed. If you berserk him and give him haste, he pretty much attacks about three or four times before any other character's um, auto bar fills up, and mm-hmm. he does ridiculous damage. It's he is. It, I think they did that on purpose on the the remix just because of how bad of a character Edward was. Oh, Edward ain't that bad. just a throwaway character. Like I think he was literally the throwaway. He's a very spoony character, that's for sure. <laughs> a very spoony bard, if you will.
3: I'll <laughs> have to give him off to give Edward another try then the next time.
1: Yeah, he can it, it can be pretty fun with him around in the party. It's it's kind of weird using him, I'll admit, because he is, you know, he will have the lowest HP of every single character, unfortunately. But if you do replay the game, you know, give him a shot because he can get pretty damn strong if you get in the Apollo heart from his challenge and take him to the final dungeon. It's, it's fun. It's, it's well worth it. I'll just tell you that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'll definitely keep it in mind for a future playthrough. I think I'm about due for one because I did one about five or six years ago. So I think it's time again.
1: Maybe that should be the next race we do play. We'll bring in a brewery and that's part of it, too. We'll all play that once.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. I don't want to replay games. I already played this twice. (laughs) That's more than almost every other game I've ever played in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if we're talking about non-Dragon Quest games, uh, this is... Two is probably the most I've ever played a game in my life. Even non-Dragon Quest. I've only played them both twice. One and two twice.
4: I'm going to have to say that my favorite point in Final Fantasy Four, it's literally sadly at the ass end of the game where Golbez gives you a crystal, Cecil uses it, and then the overarching, like the dun 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 thing plays, and every single character freaking shows up in some form to go, go, Cecil, go.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I always
1: thought that was completely badass. That
5: is a good scene.
1: And I love it too how after you use that crystal, that the music changes. To like that hard rock battle theme for um, Zero Must at the end. But the ending of that game was really strong, from uh, like the beginning of the final battle to the end of the credits. And I think that's a really good sign of a game too, that if the ending can feel really satisfying like that, like I'm from, on from on all fronts with the battle, with the cutscenes, with how the music plays and everything, even just watching the credits scroll by.
4: I will gotta say something though. Uh, I can't remember who to use first. Who used it first, but both Demaris and Vegeta used the Big Bang attack.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. It is a Big Bang. That's right. I didn't even think about the Vegeta comparison. I wouldn't have thought about that. Now I just want to see a cat like a Photoshop of uh, Zeromus with Vegeta's hair on top of his head. That'd be pretty funny.
4: Big Bang attack!
1: And then we will get hit by 999 damage. Yeah, the, I've had runs where I've played Final Fantasy 4. And I can do pretty well through playing the game for the most part. And if you get super bad RNG with Xeromus, he can just keep casting Big Bang so fast that you can't keep up with the HP healing at all. You just cannot keep up with it. As much as I like that final boss, even like his appearance and his music and everything, boy, Xeromus can just go die in a ditch for spamming Big Bang when he decides to. Because normally he's supposed to swap between... Using Big Bang, charging up the attack, and then using Black Hole if you use too much defensive magic. But if the RNG in the game just decides, hey, you know, you don't need to live, Big Bang, five, five seconds later, Big Bang. Uh, so, should we rip the Band Aid off and talk about the after years, or can we just pretend that that one doesn't exist and just kind of move on with our lives? The what now? I
4: would prefer, I would prefer to move on because it's
1: already 10 o'clock. I'm fine with the after years. Not okay. So we're just going to pretend that after years is not a thing. We're just going to just gone. So with that said, let's go to Final Fantasy V, which we were kind of talking
5: about a little bit earlier.
0: (laughs) This is definitely one of the ones that I have the least real memory about. But again, this was back in my days where I'd like power through games over the summer. I I I loved it because of the um the job system. I mean, I think my love for that is pretty much what got me into the Bravely Default games later on. Um, I remember almost nothing about Final Fantasy V, except for I just switched jobs and ground up them forever. I can't tell you the story, the characters, the whatever, but it was a ball. It really was a ball.
3: Did they restrict on the job class level ups? Did it have like a level restriction for areas? I forget. I don't
4: think there I don't, was I don't think oh, there was no a level way. restriction. I mean there was max levels for each job. You could master all of them.
3: Well yeah. Yeah, but you know, I I'm thinking along along the lines of like Dragon Quest Seven where, you know, at certain areas your characters can only level up to a certain like or er, need level I'm tripping over my own oh. tongue here.
1: Oh no, no, there's um, nothing there's nothing like that. Nothing to
3: where, like in
5: Final in, five.
3: you know, certain certain would have a level cap, and if your party was above that level cap, you wouldn't earn job class increases. Right. Yeah. I can't remember if it was like that in 5 or
1: not. Uh, no, there's, there's nothing like that in Final Fantasy V. Um, all enemies, as you kill them, as long as you have it, one job class equipped, um, everybody will uh, receive... A certain amount of uh, ability points, depending on what enemies you kill. Like, I I don't know, like how the math works for it, but if there's some sort of multiplication or how it works, like how much you get from certain enemies. But it's nothing where it's like Final Fit or like a Dragon Quest six or seven, where like you go to a certain area. It's like, oh, if you're level twenty, you're not going to be getting any uh, points towards beating this or to mastering this job class. There's nothing like that.
3: But um, I'm I'm with uh, Platy on this one. I basically did the same thing. I just across everybody i just equipped them with every class i could and ground them up as high as i possibly could because i just loved um just kind of finagling with all of their, their abilities to see what i could churn out that's just fun man mm-hmm. it really is especially when you can create some really broken stuff yeah
1: um i am not five that's the one that i of the ones we're talking about, it's the one that I have replayed the least. only version that I own is the Game Boy Advance version, which it does have a pretty funny script. And the thing is, even though I've only replayed it like like once or twice since I originally beat it, there's still, like I still really remember the job class system being a lot of fun. I liked how as you progressed in the game, you went to these different worlds. Like you have the first world, then you go to uh, Gallup's world, who's one of the party members, and then you go into... The third world which is sort of like a combination of the first two and there's all these new things you can do and see even like after you've like the world's all recombined itself like there's all these different things you can still go and discover for yourself as you plan. which um is certainly one of the cool things i like about that game and still remember fondly it's like you really get that sense of adventure and exploration as you're going around and like you can do the story stuff if you want to but you know, might pay off to do a little break, and, oh, look, you can get this new little summon over here. You can get uh, a power-up for this particular job class in this
2: town. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely more of a, a lighter adventure type of game as opposed to, say, 4 or 6 that got a little more serious. And mm-hmm. it had a lot, a lot of humor to it. Like, one of my favorite characters is Gilgamesh. And that boss is just hes just hilarious in all the different encounters that you have with him. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I think this game doesn't get as much props because we missed out on it uh, in the Super Nintendo era. So we, we miss out on a, a lot of nostalgia that people have for some of the earlier games that came out around that time. I played this again in college. Um, I ended up playing the ROM with the fan translation. That's the way I played this game. Um, it's one of those situations where I ended up playing this game instead of going to classes like I should have. But that's a, that's a different story for another day. <laughs> But yeah, I, I marathoned this this game and had a lot of fun with it. Um had a, a light fun story. The characters were great and the job system was a lot of fun. I it was great to experiment with all the different classes and things like that. So and, and especially the whole goofy stuff with Gilgamesh that was fantastic as well. So it was a really it was a really good game. I, I like it. I'm I'm sad that we didn't get it during the Super Nintendo days as well.
5: Well you know,
3: I will say though that sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: I was going to say, there's probably one reason why we didn't get it for the Super Nintendo back in the day. And uh, I, think, I think it's because the main character's name was Butt. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been waiting to do that this entire thing.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, you've been waiting with your butts joke. We all got our one joke. We got to get in.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I, I,
3: I do think that... um. Several communities out there have really kind of kind of hammered it into a you know a modern classic with the whole yearly uh, what is it four job fiesta? Yep,
0: correct. Yep,
3: and I I really do appreciate that about the game because I think it's one of those that would have just slipped on in a way like Final Fantasy three has done to more or less everybody that's not you know a big Final Fantasy fan.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very it, true. It is. Cause it oh, sorry, be I've
4: actually never heard of that. Damn it! Uh,
0: Oh yeah, it's uh. I mean, I'll be honest. I'd I'd vaguely heard of it before, but listening to the podcasts with uh all the RP gamer stuff I've done in the past two years, uh, there's a bunch of them that do it, and they get certain builds and whatever. Um, But I I believe it benefits some charity. You go and you sign up, and they tell you what four jobs you got to do. Four job. Yes. uh, Yeah. There's a whole. Final Fantasy Fan. It's called FourJobFiesta.com.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing that they do that every year. And I think there's a randomizer set up too, so if you just want to, you know, play the game on your own, or I think you can even join on the Fiesta, whether you do the donations or not. But can still, like, just play along with them and mm-hmm. try it out for yourself. But there's some cool runs I've seen. Um, it was a highlights reel of one of them where like four guys were racing each other through the Four Job Fiesta. And, like, one of the classes they st- got stuck with was the Berserker. And they were just, like... Uh, they all just, at the same time, were like, Oh, the Berserker! Because <laughs> everybody had to have one Berserker in the party at all times. <laughs> it's like, it throws off our whole plan! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, definitely, even though uh, Final Fantasy V, kind of like what Penny was saying, where it doesn't quite have the nostalgia, I think the people that do end up playing it, like what we've been talking about, like they really do enjoy it. Because it is more of a light a little more goofy game, but it's a really fun time, and it has some really great gameplay to it, and I think that it has one of uh, Uematsu's uh, best soundtracks from the Super Nintendo days, because, like, of, of the Super Nintendo soundtracks, I find myself listening to that one the most of those three games, because it has such a unique sound to it, both in how, like, the songs are composed, but just what sort of sound system he used for it back then. Like on the Game Boy Advance, I just thought the, the soundtrack was okay, but when I got to hear the original, what was more like intended to sound like on the G, uh, on the uh, Super Nintendo sound system, it sounds really good. There are some really great songs in the soundtrack, and like with Gilgamesh's theme, "Battle on the Big Bridge," that's a fantastic battle theme. Absolutely one of Wimotsu's uh, best songs that he's ever written. But um. For humor from that game, like, one of the lines that I still remember pretty fondly from playing the GBA version was, I think it's the final battle with Gilgamesh in the second world, where he's trying to get the Excalibur sword, but it turns out being Excalipore. But before he uses it on you, he turns to the party and he's like, alright, it's time we fight like men, and ladies, and ladies who are dressed like men. For Gilgamesh, it's morphin' time! And he just transforms into, like, his giant forearm self. <laughs> that was
3: that was always a good line. I really enjoyed that character a lot. He oh, was just yeah. And you know what? They they use him in a long quest line in Final Fantasy 14. That is just it is Final Fantasy 5 levels of humor with Gilgamesh. Oh,
1: really, he's in 14? I didn't know that.
3: Yeah, it even goes to a raid boss or not a raid boss, but a like a um gosh, what do they call him? Just it's just a boss battle against gilgamesh and he does things where he'll turn he'll turn you into mini so you're a little tiny version of yourself or he'll turn you into a chicken and you got to run around the battlefield all wears off. <laughs> but but he has some he has some fantastic right you should go check him out on youtube or or something like that I'm, I'm sure people have posted videos of the boss battle for gilgamesh and it's literally called battle on the big bridge because you fight him on a big bridge oh, funny. and i think there's a remix <laughs> I, th- I think there's an arranged version of battle of the big bridge that plays while you fight him
1: yeah there are some cool arranges i've heard um the arrangement of battle of the big bridge from i believe it's final fantasy XIII 2 where it has more of a middle eastern asian sort of feel to it with the instruments that they used to play it and when i heard that i'm like well that's kind of a different way to take it but if you look at gilgamesh's sprites um like especially in like the psp version of final fantasy 1 where he can show up as a bonus boss like you can see why they probably did that because gilgamesh does kind of look a bit like like a samurai of sorts like a japanese warrior like that sort of uh i don't know what that kind of armor is called but it kind of looks like that didn't he have a redesign in
3: top final fantasy 10 as well to where he kind of looked more like that
4: so what did i miss um
1: I don't know for sure on ten. I know in a uh, Final Fantasy eight and like some of the other ones, like Gilgamesh usually has like a big red cloth that like covers up most of his face except for his eyes. But I don't in know about Final Final
4: Fantasy- wait a minute. I didn't really. I didn't enjoy Final Fantasy ten, but I beat the first one. I think they took Gilgamesh out and put that Yojimbo character in place of him, didn't they? Or was that another oh, one that
3: had... I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's Yojimbo. I can't... Yeah. it's It's been a while.
2: I was wondering, I was like, I don't remember Gilgamesh in 10, but yeah, I remember Yojimbo. Yeah,
3: yeah it was Yojimbo. I'm, I just have t- bad memory.
2: Yeah, but Gilgamesh has showed up in almost every Final Fantasy
1: game in some way or another. Like, funny enough, in... Um, the Game Boy Advance version of Final Fantasy 4, there's a late game or like a post-game enemy in the Lunar Trials that you can run into that's called Gilgamesh, but it's just one of the like, turtle enemies recolored to like a greenish color. And it's really funny. It's like, well, I guess Gilgamesh is a turtle in this game. Well, personally,
4: on my end, I like how in later installment and remakes, they pretty much established that, that every Gilgamesh is the
1: same one from V. Or did it go out. <laughs> no, we hear you. That's very interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, well, since we've you know, talked a bit about Final Fantasy V, let's get to our last game of the evening, and one that a lot of people really do love a lot, and Final Fantasy VI, originally released on the Super Nintendo.
4: Son of a Submariner? That version is... Ugh, I had to do that. Sorry, be right back. Final I Fantasy... said Son of a Submariner.
3: Mm. So Final Fantasy... Three slash six. I gosh, I played that one. I played that one probably in middle school. So that was about nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight for me. I borrowed it from a friend. And um, before then, the only other Final Fantasy game I had played up to that point was the first one. Since we didn't get to three, and I hadn't played four. Uh, That opening scene when you when, when you're doing the run with Biggs and Wedge to the first town was like that was a very magical moment for me just yeah, uh just the the very light and airy music of um
1: that they use the overworld theme for that portion right that's yeah i, I believe so yeah that's um terrace theme and that one is used at a lot of points in the game and it's a, it's a really good piece to use for stuff too and it was just
3: it just really just it just hit me right and i was just I was enamored by the game from start to finish, especially after doing the first little area with your Magitek armor and everything. And I'm like, man, this is so cool. I was only about thirteen or so at the time. So everything is cool to a thirteen year old.
4: <laughs> it really does resonate with just that just from the beginning get go of it, watching the mech armors go over the freaking snowfield and seeing Nars start slowly coming into scene and you going like watching the star wars
2: for crawl or something
5: huh? mm-hmm. this I one first,
2: uh oh go ahead pendy i was gonna yeah I, I first played this one on the super nintendo back in the day and i agree with everybody else that opening was amazing like this this whole game was really cinematic and you wouldn't think a super nintendo game could do that yeah that was it was amazing and and then you know, the story was great. You had a great villain, the, the crazy Joker-like character, Kefka. And uh, you could, you could uh, suplex not just any train, but a ghost train. So, <laughs> so Sobbing one of my favorite. that alone, suplexing a damn train. Oh, um, man, so, we should have yeah. had
1: shot glasses for
2: that comment. Like, everybody take a shot when somebody mentions that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I've got my bottle of Knob Creek at home. And I get off in thirty minutes. We can do it then.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a fantastic game, and, and and the and the way that like how the the, the bad guy actually uh, almost ends up winning in the end and and destroying most of the world. I mean that that whole twist that was great. So and, all the different characters were were fantastic, and uh, it was it was just such a, a great game. It's, it's definitely one of my. Is my favorite of all the old school Final Fantasy games for sure.
4: I'm not it, trying to it. Stop it definitely has there. a. Um... Sorry, let me go ahead and get this out right quick. No, Kefka won. Like, there's only two games that, well, technically three, if you want to get to it, that I have played where the villain most definitively won. Final Fantasy VI and Arc the Lad 2 and 3. The world ends. The bad guy gets exactly what he wanted. You still kick the crap out of him. But in Final Fantasy 6, the world's done. Magic is gone. The Espers are dead. Sure, they're going towards a new frontier, but he won. Same thing for Arc the Lad 2 and 3. The ultimate evil gets released, and the next thing you see is violent natural disasters just by Fall Fantasy VI, engulfing the world, people dying. Once again, I don't know how the hell they managed to get all of that past Nintendo's Nintendo sensor. And I'll get on to another scene after a few of you say it before. That really stuck with me for that.
1: Yeah, what were you going to say, Planny, um, for a little bit ago? Yeah, the, I don't... Uh, sorry about that. Um, okay, microphone. There we
0: go. My microphone popped off for a second. Um <laughs> this is the game that got me back into RPGs because I had a pretty much, I I had a long break. I went to college and I didn't bring my super Nintendo for a long time. And I think it was my senior year of college. um, Some kid that I was tutoring was talking about um, emulators and I hadn't even heard about those. This was 99, 2000. And when I started looking into it, I was like, Oh, that's cool. And I was like, well, what games do I, did I have for my Nintendo? Um, that i really liked and i had dragon warrior and final fantasy and dragon warrior didn't you know back in the old days of the internet that didn't exactly point me to any new games that search string but final fantasy did and i picked up this one and i mean i spent months playing through it and trying to get everybody and because there's a ton of characters in this game that you're playing with and flipping them out in the airship and whatnot and it was a while after that that i was like wow there's there's a lot more out there and then through searching dragon warrior i was like oh my god there was the dragon quest that that's what finally hit the dragon quest and then i realized there was dragon quest 5 and 6 so this was definitely interesting enough um to get me back into it and looking it up and it got me back into dragon quest kind of through the back door after that so it it was it was good and yeah when you hear people talk about their final fantasy uh, their favorite ones of these old school usually it's four and 6.
3: Oh, oh yeah I, I I mean I totally agree with that just just based on you know ensemble casts from from both games but for mm-hmm. for me since I didn't play four I didn't have the experience of you know Cecil's journey with Golbez and all that stuff but six really gave me a kind of terrifying. Uh, villain who like uh, Matt had said who kind of kind of when he when he turned the world of balance into the world of ruin uh, because before then all of the RPGs that I had played was like Final Fantasy 1 and you know a couple of other non-square square square, uh, RPGs at that time and they just weren't on the level of storytelling that Final Fantasy 6 is is definitely on because most of the time you wouldn't meet you know the big bad guy big bad evil guy of the game until like the 11th hour but with mm. with this you get you get kafka up front almost immediately mm-hmm. and i think the first time that i was really like oh this guy is some serious stuff is when you visit, visit that one desert town and he basically poisons and kills the entire town uh, oh yeah you're, you're 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 just like whoa wait what because before then everything had been you know Everything had been kind of soft, soft like soft by comparison. And then you're just like, oh, this guy means this guy means business. He's going to yeah. do what he needs. Not messing around. And like I also that. really liked how all of the characters in six were introduced, Uh, you know, kind of a kind of story credits kind of thing at the beginning, you know, like at the beginning of the movie. When was, you know, it's just like, hey, it's brilliant. Hey, it's Yangus kind of thing and gives a little a little backstory on who they are, even if you don't get them immediately.
5: Yeah,
1: that is the nice thing I like about um, 6 as well. Like, I believe it still has the record of having the most playable characters in a main Final Fantasy game with uh, 14 playable characters. Um, but the nice thing is, is that even though some of the characters really don't have much involvement with the plot, and really just might be there just to help out just because... You know, the game does take the time to introduce all of them, gives you little scenes with them to kind of get attached to them and find out a little bit more about their characters, like the little intro credit things you're talking about. Um, like, one of my favorite characters from the game, and he actually did appear in Final Fantasy V as a bonus boss that you can fight for a certain job class, is Go-Go the Mime, who is a completely optional character you can recruit in the second half of the game. There's really no indication to where he's at in the world other than some NPC saying... Oh, there's this giant sandworm on the Triangle Island, but be careful—it might eat you up. And that's really your only clue where he's at. But if you go down and get Gogo, you have to go through this little trial dungeon. He, he, you talk to him; he wants to know uh, what your goal is and like why you've come to this place. And when he tells you, he's, his response is, "Oh, you're trying to save the world? That seems interesting. Let me tag along, and I'll copy your every move. And that's <laughs> all it is. And he just joins along with you, and you can do whatever you need to with him." <laughs> I don't, I don't think I've
3: ever actually, I, I know he exists, but I don't ever think I've ever ever picked him up in a playthrough.
1: Oh, Gogo is a great he, character
4: to have. He really is, that dungeon as hell. Let me go ahead and get in this last quip, because after this I have to go. I gotta go home in a minute, it's almost 11. But uh, Final Fantasy VI has always had at least a few scenes in it that always, It, it like I said earlier, it resonates with you. It triggers super strong emotion.
5: Uh,
4: first, I'm just, I'm going to go down three through the storyline. First one is the actual, uh, what is it, the Magitech Research Lab where you find, like, your first real couple sets of magicite after seeing Rama. When you fight Jiva and Ifrit, you don't fight them, like, in a normal place. You fight, them. I mean, you're dumped down somehow into a room filled with Esper bodies. They're all dead except for steve and ifrit they're all dead completely drained of everything and that got past nintendo censors. that was a scene that resonated for a while and then i'm pretty sure all of you remember general Leah. Uh, oh yeah yep. yep yep you never really you never get him in your party and I- I think you play him, he's like a like the abandoned guest character. But uh, he's one of the also first real remembering Final Fantasy characters to flat out die. And his death protecting the party and the way Terror tries to remember him, that's a real powerful part of the story for me. But the one scene that will, Always resonate with Final Fantasy 6. It's pretty much right after you get to the World of Ruin. You wake up as Celeste, and the only person... You wake up on this deserted island, there's a house there. The only person there is her father figure, basically. Final Fantasy VI is sick. He's sick. He's dying. And the only way you can take care of him is by fishing. And of course, if you guys remember, you have to get him the good fish or he dies too. Well, if he died, and this got through the Super Nintendo sensors, I still don't know how. Celeste will climb up a cliff that's on the top of the island. Apparently, people committed suicide there by jumping off the cliff because they figured, hey, world's done. We can't get out of here. And so, Cel- and if Sid is alive, I think Celeste finds, uh, either way she finds it, but Sid, Celeste will actually jump off the cliff, and she survives, I guess because she's already a magic deck knight, and all that crap. But uh, And having it, seeing an actual, for real suicide attempt in a game, really shows what the developers are trying to do, to push the story straight into your head. Like, like, a kid was like, what, what's going on? And if parents are watching, they go, oh, damn. And they pull the cartridge out from your system, probably throw it away because you can't do that in the video game. Not the 90s. No, sir. And that that and possibly Celeste's maybe little after arc of that, finding the will to live and or, of course, Sid still being alive, you saved him. Yeah, that was just very powerful for him. and it's actually one of the reasons that final fantasy six is actually my second favorite final fantasy game i'm sorry my first is i'm not going to be a troll and say mystic quest my first but my favorite is actually final fantasy dimension six has honestly to me the best storyline in the entire series because of the lengths that it goes to put itself out there i agree yeah, absolutely absolutely Definitely, yeah. And that's all I got, guys. I am going home. You all have a good night, and it was a pleasure being here with you, gentlemen. Yeah, I'll some of you. I will see some of you hopefully for the Saga Three episode. Well, saga Three. <laughs> I'm just gonna hit my head on the wall. All Fantasy Three Saga Three. <laughs> Ow. All right, Matt, thanks gosh. for joining
1: us tonight. Yeah, thanks All for joining right. us. You this. later, guys. Yep, bye. Oh, goodness. But yeah, he Matt really hit a lot of the points for it. There's a lot of emotional scenes in Final Fantasy VI. And, you know, some of the other games before it did have their good emotional scenes, but VI really has a lot of... Like, I wouldn't say they were, like, like, trying to just be edgy or anything like that, but they felt, like, the sincere ways to get you attached to these characters and make you uh, appreciate, like, how these characters would grow and change as the story went on. Because there's a lot of cutscenes, especially in uh, the second half of the game with the World of the Ruin, where, like, you see that Cyan needs to, uh, like what uh, I was talking about before, where he witnesses the death of his people after Kefka poisons the water supply and basically everyone dies in the kingdom that he's been protecting for years. And when the second half of the game, you get to actually experience um, some of those events that are still haunting Cyan and essentially help him sort of, you know, come to terms with, you know, unfortunately it happened, but I have to keep these people alive inside of me and grow as a person from it. You know, let my experiences help shape me for who I am. And I think that, can, that kind of stuff can resonate with a, a player a lot.
3: You so know what uh opinion? Oh, oh I was just gonna I was just gonna add on to that. One thing that really got me with the game is um the first time I played it, I did I didn't wait until the timer ended when you're um trying to escape. So I never got shadow back. And I was kind of <laughs> devastated for the rest of the game that he sacrificed himself like that only to find out, you know, years later, hey, if you wait to literally the last second he shows up. <laughs>
5: Yeah, it, it's nice who's going to who's who's gonna wait?
3: Ar- I, I was just going to say, who's going to wait around to the very last second? Most 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 people probably wouldn't have thought to do that, or
1: maybe I'm just hasty. Yeah, that one does that one does catch people off guard because uh, I had a friend of mine play the Game Boy Advance version a few years back at my old job, and he played it on his uh, computer, and he didn't know about that either. And he ended up leaving the floating continent, and he was so sad that Shadow died. And I said, well, I mean, Realm gets to use um, Interceptor the dog. And he's like, yeah, but it's not the same as Shadow. He's a cool ninja guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're definitely not alone on accidentally missing that. Yeah. But um, what was I going to say? Like, I do like, though, with that, you talking about that, if you do end up missing <laughs> Shadow, you do get to see how there's more of a connection between him and Realm and uh, Strago because... Um, Bit of a spoiler for the Super Roll game, but um, Realm and Shadow are related to each other, and Realm is pretty much implied and just almost straight out confirmed in Realm's version of a cutscene that Shadow is her long-lost father. You kind of see that when you first play the game, or when you you, uh, first get to the town that uh, Realm and Strago live in, because when Realm shows up, you see Shadow's sprite actually kind of turn around and look away from the rest of the characters. But what's nice about, um, in the event that Shadow does unfortunately die at the Floating Continent, you do get to see uh, new versions of those cutscenes where you get to see, like, Realm asking, oh, where's my dad at and what happened to her mom then? It's little details like that, but, you know, you're still sad you lost out one of the characters, but you kind of get to see then a new perspective on uh, what the game is trying to present to you in the second half of the story.
3: Yeah, and that's that's really neat. I, I that's Yeah, I like that.
2: I was gonna ask um what is everybody's opinion on the uh ATB system or active time battle? Um me, I'm I'm more of a uh, turn based purist, so like whenever I play a Final Fantasy game and it gives me the option to do wait wait mode, even chrono Trigger, like I'll go for wait mode every time because I'm not a big fan of being rushed, I guess, is the way I think. It. But what does everyone else think of it?
3: I um my first experience with uh, active time battle was with Chrono Trigger, since I played that before I did Final Fantasy VI. So, but I agree with you. I'm more of a purist. I like uh, I like wait. So I'll put it on turn based, just so because I like it that way better.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, make make three with that. If I'm gonna do turn based, I'm gonna do turn based. If I'm gonna jump around and slash at people, I'm gonna jump and slash. I I, I don't. There's not a good middle ground for me.
1: <laughs> I'm. I'm kind of split, I guess. Like, for mostly having played just a few turn based RPGs before, I played uh, Final Fantasy IV, which was my first experience with an ATB system. Um, you know, going into that was a little different, I'll admit, seeing the bar fill up and that's when I can attack. But, you know, if a game has that, I really don't mind that as much. Like, I, I do prefer a turn based system, just kind of getting used to that. But uh, honestly, I'm pretty adaptable with how a game wants to present its style. Like, I, I do prefer the weight command where like when you're through in the menus and scrolling through spells or items like nothing else is going to happen so you kind of have a time to think a little bit but um you know if a, if a final fantasy game has the atb system or if uh oh or some other system i think the one i've played has but if it has an atb oh like chrono trigger like with that one having the atb thing you know i really don't mind that one as much having the little bar that fills up and you just get go from there Sometimes it's kind of fun to think quickly on your feet. You have to be like, okay, quick, i got to do this and try and go for that. But you know what? I totally get it, though, if you want to, like, stop and think. Yeah, you and want, you want to turn on the weight thing so you can kind of strategize a bit more in your head about what to do. Right. So I guess I'm just, you know, I, I, I guess my mood sort of changes every now and then when I replay these games, what I want to do. But um, let me ask you guys this, since we've now talked about six of them. What of these games do you think had one of the best endings, like, or the most impactful ending to you as the player? From Final Fantasy one through six. Sorry. Uh, what was the question? It kind of broke <laughs> up on me, but I think on the internet. Sorry about that. Um, basically, I just was asking, like, what of the endings from Final Fantasy one through six did you feel like had the most impact on you? Since we've, you know, talked about six games so far.
3: You can field this one first, Pendy. Uh, <laughs> I gotta. I gotta. I gotta think about it. <laughs>
0: I'll field it first and say it's been 15 years since I've played any of
2: these, so
5: <laughs>
2: no idea. And pass no. it on to you, Pendy. Go ahead. <laughs> I remember one, of the, one of the small things that I liked about the ending for Final Fantasy VI was... What, did they show you like what where everybody ended up at the end, or they did like a like a they showed a little picture or something like that? They went through each little character towards the in the end credits. Um, whatever, I remember remember that that was that was pretty cool. Um, but uh, and I do remember, <laughs> and of course, I was totally confused by the ending of Final Fantasy One with the whole time loop thing. So that that kind of sticks out in my mind. So that was always fun. Um, yeah, that's a little <laughs> weird
1: ending. I'll, I'll admit it's kind of like oh well.
2: Um, okay, <laughs> and then this wasn't really an ending, but like Final Fantasy IV had a pretty solid story for me until they're like, "Hey, we're going to the moon now." The what? The mo- okay, okay, we're going to the moon. Okay, got it, got it. But uh, no, I think probably six had the the most the me- most memorable ending for me. I thought that was uh, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'd have to agree with that. With Final Fantasy VI having a good ending, like I really like how in the first half of um, the ending for the game, you get to see like all fourteen of the playable characters like working together yeah. to make their way through Kefka's Tower, and like when different characters show up, it plays like a little rendition of their theme song, and they get like this big med- medley of all fourteen of all 14 characters' themes playing together, like, when they're on the screen, like, they're the main focus. But I like it, too, how, like, what you were saying, Penny, like, once the credits are rolling, you get to see how the world has changed, and, you know, everybody's going back to their lives, and that's probably one of my favorite endings from a video game period, with um, Final Fantasy VI's ending. That's a really great musical piece, too. Uh, Balance is restored. It's definitely one of uh, Uematsu's best pieces, I would say.
2: Yeah, it's reminiscent of, uh, like, Four's ending, where they, they show you dropping off everybody from the balloon Mm -hmm. and going back to the lives and stuff like that, which is really cool. I like it, too, how even though with some of the
1: characters from 6 not being like, like, to be totally honest, like characters like Mog, uh, Gogo, Umaru, and uh, Gao, even though they're not the most story important characters, that you still get to see them, you know, be a part of the ending. And, like, you get to see Gogo and Amaro, uh, like, kind of hanging out at the back of the ship, watching as everybody celebrates it, even though they're kind of the new guys. Like, you know, they're still part of the group. You know, it's it's big. Almost like a little bit of a family, almost a hodgepodge sort of family of people. But, um,
3: so I think for me, uh, I'm going to have to say, for for, for me, Final Fantasy One. it was my very first RPG when I was very young enough. When I was young enough, so it was kind of a formative experience for me. So defeating and i also played through it with my dad when i was really young so there's that added like kind of sentimental piece to it for me so Mm -hmm. i also really just enjoyed beating chaos for the first time when i was a kid because it was one of the first games that required reading that i beat because you know most old nes games don't require anything anything like that and if there's text in the game it's very little this was a very text heavy game and it was one of the firsts that i tackled when i was learning to read so
1: what did you think of that ending the first time that you saw that one because like what Penny and I were kind of saying, like the ending for Final Fantasy one is kind of like, a, oh, well, I guess the heroes are gone now. Like, what, what did you think of that? Um,
3: it's well, it's a very flat ending if, if you look at it like, you know, years and years and years later. But for me, it was, you know, it's the big build up to, oh, my God, chaos. This guy he's going to destroy, you know, time, basically, because he's created this loop to make himself immortal. And you and you've gotta stop him and you gotta beat these big bad evil fiends and stuff. And I always really liked the design for the Lich and um what are they 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 changed her name. It used to be in the NES version she was called Carrie, K A R Y, but I think she's just called Merilith now. Um, she was the volcano fiend. Uh yeah, it's honestly it's a flat ending. It's hey, you win, the warriors of light go home. Um thanks for playing. Uh, but if we're going to look at it for from a more, I guess, uh, seasoned perspective, like if I would probably have to say six, it, like for basically all the reasons you already described, um, nostalgically one, but um,
1: analytically six. Didn't, that's weird. I, didn't the remakes of one like? change up the dialogue, so like, maybe I'm just remembering this wrong too, because it's been a while since I played it, but I could have sworn when I played the PSP version of 1, like a a few years ago, that when you beat Chaos, like, the game's like, oh, well, because the heroes killed Chaos, the time loop stopped, and they ceased to exist, and Chaos ceased to exist, and everything. Like, it just was kind of like, oh, well, now
5: they're all dead.
3: So, there's a novelization of the first game in Japan, and I think that that's how the game ends, because you sever the time loop, so it's kind of, you know, it's a time paradox, because if you sever the time loop, there was, you know, they would never have gone back in time to defeat Chaos and all that stuff, so... I don't know. I don't think the remakes do that. I think you just return home because it's kind of like, oh, an alternate timeline has been created because you severed the time loop.
5: Okay. I'm like remembering that.
3: But the all the remakes don't have the best line from the uh, very first game when you uh, run into Garland at the end when he goes, "Aye, Garland, we'll knock you all down."
1: (laughs) (laughs)
5: Yep.
1: Uh, Yeah. I do like the ending for five. Um, It's not my, like, of the Super Nintendo era ones, it's not my, like, top ending, but I do like how, kind of like, with, like, the same thing that 4 and 6 did, where you actually get to see, um, like, the characters are now floating around in, like, the void, but they're ended up saved by the old heroes or the the Warriors of Dawn, and you get to see sort of an epilogue then for what became of all the major NPCs and the view. I think it's, like, a letter to Sid, if I remember right, that, um uh Crow, the little girl writes to him kind of telling him like, oh, well, Bartz is off exploring like his dad and uh, Ferris went back to being a pirate and everything but even though she'll still do some princess stuff every now and then. And um, I liked how with that ending, credits too, like you actually got to see all the progress you made from the job classes. I don't know if it was like that in the original uh, Super Famicom version, but at, in the Game Boy Advance version, uh, you see each of the four characters uh, pop up and it's like, oh, well, here's Barts and here's all the job classes he mastered and here's all the abilities you gained for this character. And it's kind of like a hey, this is all the hard work you put in, so we're gonna, you know, give you a little congratulations for doing that. I just thought that um like musically five had a really nice like send-off for the game because it brought in like the main theme from uh I think it's called four uh, four hearts is one is like the main overworld theme for the first part of the game. Uh you get nice little combination of like a little bit of the battle theme mixed in there so you get like a good little send-off for it being a lighthearted game and a little congratulatory like hey you did it good job everybody
3: oh yeah final fantasy 5 has some fantastic music
5: mm-hmm.
1: and that's something we didn't really talk about too much in this uh episode but like final like final fantasy 1 through final fantasy 1 2 II and 3 i would say that those ones have you know, some good tracks. Like, like overall, there's a few that are just kind of, you know, they're just there. But then when you get to, like, the Super Nintendo games, like, I would say all three of those have really great soundtracks, and Final Fantasy VI in particular. It's one of my personal favorite um, video game soundtracks, and it's my uh, favorite Uematsu soundtrack as a whole. But I do really think, like, like really, you can't go too wrong with any of these uh, Final Fantasy games we've been talking about with the music. Like, do you guys have any particular songs or soundtracks from these ones that stood out to you? So, so for from-
2: me... Go go ahead go ahead. I was gonna say uh, yeah, the Final Fantasy music, uh, Uematsu. Like I would probably rate him probably second behind uh, Dragon Quest, uh, uh, Koichi Tsujuyama. Um I went and bought the Theater Rhythm game just because the music's so good. So it was a lot of fun to play that game with all the Final Fantasy music. But um, I think of the of the first six, um, I actually like the music the most from six. Maybe just because I. Have more nostalgia for it, and, and like that one the best. But uh, yeah, six is probably my favorite of the first of the, those first group, that first group of games.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree that uh, six has a phenomenal soundtrack um, from Final Fantasy One. Though the one track that stands out the most to me is the Sunken Shrine track. I just re- that's just I just really love how that uh, sounds. Like when it got added as a DLC track to the first Theatre Them game, I was I was elated because it was literally the last track they added to. Um, but yeah, six six definitely has the best of the first six, I think. There are there are good ones in each one, yes, but overall.
2: And I guess I guess thinking back, probably be my favorite track, even though it might be stereotypical for a lot of Old school Final Fantasy fans, but I just like the the opening theme that you get in the first game, like that that like is great, gives you a great mood to to the games, and I'm, I was glad that they continued to use it through uh, other games as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I
1: do like how um, with some of the games, like I believe it's Final Fantasy IX does this, where uh, you don't really hear that prelude theme at all throughout the whole game, but when you beat the game and it shows the end at the after the credits have rolled. You actually get like this nice little quiet version of um, that song you were talking about, and like that prelude song. Just the. Yeah. It's
2: kind of like, oh, that's a you know nice little send off then after you've beaten the game. And that makes sense since that was kind of like a nine was kind of like a love letter to the older games. <clears throat>
3: mm-hmm. I only played nine in recent years too because I was talking to a friend and uh, probably back in 2016, and we were uh, on the subject of you know just Final Fantasy, and I was like, yeah. You know, I th- I've I've played everything, and we got to talking, and it was just like, oh, you've never played nine. So after, uh, so after I got back home from a trip, I downloaded it onto my PSP and played through it, and I was, it was really good, especially, mm-hmm. especially once you get to the end of the game and you have to start fighting those uh, crystal creatures, and they are basically all the fiends from the first game. So that for me, that was an extra like, oh man, this is friggin' awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Final Fantasy nine is. One of the few ones past, um, uh, well, actually, sorry, let me rephrase it. It's one of the few of the PS1 and like the PlayStation era Final Fantasies that I was really interested in playing. Like, I found a copy of it, like, brand new at a a local game store that I go to every now and then. It's like, oh, you know, pick that up. You know, it's a good price for it. I'll play it at some point. I played it like two years later, and like you, Baruri, and I just, you know, I thought it was a fantastic experience, and it reminded me a lot of the games that I had first came to know from the Final Fantasy series, and it made me feel like it was, you know, a true Final Fantasy experience, or at least, at least more of a, a true one to what I had, was expecting from the series. Yeah.
3: Hey, if, if if I'm around when you guys do the next one for the later Final Fantasy games, we can talk way more about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. I have I'd have a lot to say about that one too, because uh, like of of the Final Fantasy games that I have played, like four, uh, in no particular order, um, like four, six, and nine are my personal favorites from the series. Because <laughs> and um, five is a pretty close follow up, and then three would be after that. But um, like those games in particular are, are really, or are, those three games in particular, the first ones I mentioned, they all kind of had those same moments and sort of the same. Events and how been tied in together that made them such fun experiences. And even though I'm not like the biggest Final Fantasy fan, since there's some games I just don't really care if I ever play them. I do like going back to like these first uh, six games, and you know, checking them out every now and then again, try something okay. new on a playthrough.
3: It's okay. We all re- know you really like ten too.
0: <laughs> you, got you got me. My secret has been exposed. Now number ten's my favorite, but we won't go there tonight.
2: No, but it, to... you got you well. guys talking
0: about 9, I definitely, like, I've never played 7, 8, or 9. Um, 7 <clears> is just <throat> too overhyped or underhyped or whatever. It it's... looks like crap. Uh, maybe once it's all said and done and all the remake comes out, I'll play it just to, you know, when I can get them all for, like... $40 on the PSN in 23 years when they're done remaking the whole damn thing.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
3: that's the, the 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 crazy thing is is the remake is so it's it's similar but it's also so different from the original game. So mm-hmm. It's almost not the same experience.
0: Yeah, 9 is definitely one I do want to play. And I know they have a Switch port that has a lot of uh, quality of life and speed-up options and everything, and uh, I'll definitely have to do that at some point.
3: Yeah, if you're going to do them at this point, do those digital versions just just for the bonus stuff
1: that they put in. Mm -hmm. I would say go with the PS1 version only because I think that that one does control a little bit better and has a little bit better sound quality to it, but... You know, if if you're more into it for like the quality of life stuff, and well, with planning especially doesn't care about the music and things, that's not going to be a big concern. So, <laughs> okay, you know, yeah, <laughs> go with go with the digital version for sure. But if you're kind of like me, you like to like sort of experience the original take. Try and play the PS One version if you can, like on your Vita or something or wherever you can play. It, it is it is worth playing. I would say that.
0: I do believe I actually bought it for my
1: Vita a couple years back, and just it sits there yeah the only thing that i noticed when playing that on my vita a few years ago was um uh, one of my old jobs i had to go on a little trip and i took my vita with me when only when you go into certain battle uh, stages there's slowdown, down like noticeable slowdown. down like if you ever fight in a forest that's where you'd always run into the most slowdown when playing the ps1 version of oh, on what, a vita.
3: oh final fantasy 9 yeah but only when yeah. i played it digitally i, I never oh. ran
1: into that when i played it on a my ps2 uh, a few years ago like for the first time i never ran into it there
3: i had it i have it digitally on my psp because that's how i bought it um it's the only way of experience so i have no other uh frame of reference for it
1: i mean the the, like the remastered version that they did for like the ps4 and the switch and stuff it's not bad don't get me wrong you know it's it's a perfectly good version but there's a few things like there's not like true analog control there's not Mm. um there's a few like redrawn assets that don't look very good i'll be honest and um there's there's just a few other little things like that that unfortunately just because I remember the original one so well it's like and I, mm, the the no true analog control thing that kills me because sorry but with those PS one era Final Fantasy games it's not like the like the ones that we've been talking about this whole time where you know it's just up down left right for movement you know you have more angles that you go at you can move anywhere but we don't have that true analog control your character just kind of like will dart off to the like going. Um, northeast or going northwest even though you're trying to do like a smooth movement on the digital versions now it's kind (laughs) of confusing but do you guys have any final thoughts about final fantasy one through six before we uh, end things off or i think we're good i don't think i have
0: anything worthwhile to add (laughs) any further that we've talked about at least no, me neither. I, you know, there. These were all good games that I enjoyed playing years ago. And if I replayed games, I would definitely replay these because I am finding myself going back to more of the pixelated earlier ones. Or hecky, I've it's even like their DS ones. Yeah,
3: it's funny because when you were uh, when you were off for a second, I, I was saying that I've basically been doing the same thing. I've been going back to the older retro games instead of tackling new stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. This was probably my. Uh, favorite series behind Dragon Quest for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. built later entries in the series, so um, yeah, it was a, a lot of fun. The only one I, I really didn't like was was two, uh, but otherwise I, I liked all the, the rest of them. They're very good games. A lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed like the battle systems for them, like for the most part. And I really like with like the Super Nintendo games, especially that they're such cool artwork for like the monsters and. For your character designs and everything like visually i've I've always thought final fantasy is a pretty good series for doing that like no matter what system it's on and like for everything that we've talked about with these games like even though i'm not the biggest final fantasy fan at all like i still fondly remember these first six games and especially like four five and six since they were my first big introductions to this uh, series and i would say that if you know if you're someone that's listening and you've never played a final fantasy game that You know, look at these first six games, you know, see which one grabs you the most and go from there. You can't really go wrong with any one of these, except for maybe Final Fantasy 2, but that's up to (laughs) to me. You've been warned. (laughs) You've been warned.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Slime Time Sidetrack. We do want to thank uh, Brewerian and Pendy for joining us to talk about these. Matt, who had to leave us earlier, too.
3: Yeah, we really
1: appreciate you guys joining us for this discussion. It, It certainly has been a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, it's I've I've really enjoyed this. Thanks for having thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, when uh, we, we'll always keep you guys in mind when we do future ones. I like to uh, have more guests on like this, get discussing a little bit more, um, especially when we're talking about some of these larger series or more games. And I mean, my memory for Final Fantasy one through six obviously was not what most of yours was, so that that helps a lot for to fill the dead air. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, you might have noticed that the only time we ever mention Patreon on Slime Time is when we say we don't use Patreon we're just a bunch of longtime fans that wanted to speak about the topics we know and love so much so if you got some money to burn or money to donate consider sliding on over to the dragons den at wwwwoodiscom slash den click on support this site uh Wutis has owned and maintained the dragons uh den dragon quest fan site for over 20 years and would appreciate any donation or um if you don't want to just give him money directly you, he's got tons of affiliate links there um to make any purchases, especially like Dragon Quest 11S S or um, Dragon Quest Seven Three D S, basically anything on Amazon that is you could still get new. He's got affiliate links there, um, and a small fraction of that sale will go to support the den.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any suggestions for a future side quest episode that you'd like to hear us talk about, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to Platy uh, via Platty M Three on Twitter. Or on Discord, or directly on the Dragon's Den, or if you'd like, you can contact me at, uh, at Yangus the Legendary Bandit. Uh, you can find me on the Dragon's Den, and uh, just send me a personal message. We have a huge list of ideas to go through yet still, and we're always happy to hear more ideas. So you know, if you got anything to send, got anything you want us to talk about, you know, send it our way, and we'll be happy to add it to the list and uh, possibly do it for a future episode. Yep. Bye, everyone. Side quest complete.